since Shocktober. Welcome to Shocktober, a deep dive into shock jocks with me, Murder Brian, and my partner, my friend, Felix Biederman. Hi, Felix. Hey, Brian. <laughs> I have, and and this week we are wrapping up Shocktober, the first series at least, for now, uh, with a kind of, uh, we're going to have a, a, a cavalcade of guests that did different things that had different connections to the shock jock world. And uh, we're also going to sum up our feelings. It's probably the longest episode, but it's going to be the most fun. So uh, right now uh, joining us is a notorious prankster, uh, Chris James. What's up, Chris? You are now entering the Chris zone. <laughs> oh, baby. That's my, that's my bumper that I used when I'm on podcast. I didn't have a chance to get it to your people, so I just thought I'd play it myself. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Our pleasure. Our pleasure. I First, when you do a bumper, Chris, it has to talk about how you're, like, mentally diseased or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I have dissociative personality disorder. <laughs> Bumpers well, have to. I want. Bumpers I want them to, to know that I that I like um, that they're entering the crit. I want them to know that they're entering a zone that is going to be different than the zone they're used to, sort of, uh, you know, being in. And it's a it's a zone that's pretty wild and out of control. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is there any poop sound effects in this zone by by any chance? I mean, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, I might have a couple things up my sleeve. No, I'm just, um, no, I, I don't have any sound. If I'm, I'm done with all that nonsense. I just want to talk shock jocks now. That's, uh, that's good. That's a good place to be in. That's, that's where I'm at. I used to want to be a shock jock. Now I just want to talk about them all the time. So, uh, Chris, you have done, you have been very successful at prank phone calls. And uh, in a time when uh, people aren't really even doing them anymore. So uh, I, I, I wanted to bring you on here and kind of talk about prank calls. And I wanted you to tell the story of your run in with Bubba Army. So uh, um, we can start with your run in <laughs> with Bubba Army. <laughs> Sure. I had, I had new, I mean, numerous run-ins with, I've spoken to Baba himself, like tried to prank him, uh, I think two or three different times. And I, I will say this, honestly, he is the best host I have ever called at dealing with prank calls hands down. It is not even close. I wasn't able to get anything over on him. He rolled with it so well. I left the call feeling like I had been pranked. It was just, it was, I, I just decided to stop calling him because he, the thing about him is he doesn't care. You, I'm like, you know, hey, you know, this guy had sex with their wife and he's like, oh, hell yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he just doesn't seem to care about anything at all. So, uh, so yeah, I only called him a couple times, but it's his, it's his sort of cavalcade of, uh, you know, his little team, his Baba Army, that they have all these other shows that I used to sort of prank very regularly. And they are such a fucking motley crew. It is ridiculous. <laughs> like, 
Bubba is very dumb. I, I think they think, I mean, all these guys are fairly dumb, but like Bubba is the only one that will admit he's dumb. And he's the only one that'll admit he's like on his downside of his career, you know? So pranking him does seem sort of impossible to me. <laughs> and also, so just imagine, think about how dumb he is and then consider how dumb the people around him who he basically sort of controls and dictate, like think about how dumb they must be <laughs> to have fallen under the spell of Bubba the Love Sponge. There's like a guy, It's his main co-host is the guy, uh, I forget what his name is, but he was on the tapes with like Tucker Carlson and stuff. He's always there. But his son it had a show with this other guy, Tuttle, and it's called Buds and Suds. And it's just, it, it was on at 10 o'clock in the morning, and they would be full on blacked out drunk <laughs> at, doing the show. It was, in, I came across them the first time, and they were outside of the studio burning a casket. Oh, okay. <laughs> that like and that's the crazy thing about the, the all the stuff too is like you don't realize there are those guys are still trying to keep it going like they still want that whole shock jock thing to be around they grew up with bubba they've been a part of this they want it to be the heyday again so they're still trying to do these stupid stunts but like nobody gives a shit if you burn a casket now nobody fucking cares you know so it's just these dr alcoholic drunk guys stumbling around like lighting stuff on fire uh, but yeah, it was fun pranking them. You know, it would be it would be very, as you can imagine, a bunch of blacked out drunk guys. It was quite easy to have have a good time with them. You know, I actually would like to ask because both of you guys Twitch stream. I I, I don't like take it seriously enough to to make any money doing it. But uh, I am wondering, like, how does do do you guys think Bubba is making money on on this Twitch stream at all? Do you, I, I I I think um. Chris has been at it longer than me, but I think like there are enough dedicated Bubba try like or enough Bubba diehards that they probably like give him bits, which one bit equals one cent, and they can add up, and just like strict dollar donos. I don't think he has a ton of subscribers. Like I'm not really sure. Like it is inter It's an interesting idea to do like a shock jock radio show on Twitch. Even though I'm pretty sure he, he is he permanently banned. Bubba? Yeah, he's doing it on YouTube now. So it, okay, it, it, yeah. So he's making nothing at this point. Well, you can make you can make donations on YouTube, and I don't know if they have ad revenue. Probably, maybe. I don't know a ton about YouTube streaming, but I don't. He's not making like I can't imagine he's making like a living doing that. But there are enough people who are like ride or die for Bubba that will like give him like a few hundred dollars here and there I think well I oh I, he so uh, sorry I he is he makes a, a amount of money on Twitch no doubt about it like like the like you said Felix he has these people who they they give him quite a bit of money like it's you see his bit donations and they are like sometimes crazy high so I think he was and I don't know the Bubba army is still on Twitch so maybe the other shows are allowed to ha go but he isn't I'm not sure but like it's still an active channel definitely Definitely. He, uh, I, I think like that's something we could get into here really is that I've been listening to Bubba the Love Sponge now since March. I even, when me and Felix finished Howard Stern, the first thing I did was listen to Bubba. First thing I did was catch up on Bubba the Love Sponge and I don't even have to anymore. But, uh, <clears throat> but what happened, he has gotten rid of his entire staff. There's just nobody left on the show. Tuttle's gone. Manson's gone. Like, all the guys that were there 
when I started listening, have all left at this point. So that's, I was just wondering if like, maybe he's making nothing and he's paying these guys nothing, you know? I mean, that's bizarre. So I, they are still doing their shows. So I wonder how that works. If they're, they're still doing it. Like I've assumed under the Bob army, I know trace one of them moved over to this one called uh, like uh, cluster F radio or something, but yeah, that's interesting. So I never wake up earlier to uh, early enough to listen to Bob or watch it, but so he's moved on now he's off and he's not working with his crew anymore. Well, I know he is working. Well, I mean, I don't like Bubba. It could be a work. No, like, it's definitely not. Tuttle went to uh, what I know is Tuttle went to a mental hospital because he was okay, having yeah. suicidal thoughts, and Bubba handled it like ultra poorly. I like listened to the show. That's that's very that's very surprising. <laughs> I imagine that. Well, one of his ideas was like, "Hey, uh, he gets out." In, in 72 hours, let's show up with a bunch of listeners in a parking lot with, like, balloons and, like, a band and, like, really welcome them back. And it's like... Don't doctors say to do that? <laughs> <laughs> he's dumb, you know? He's... And he's just a... All, he's the dumb... Uh, well, it sucks to... Because, like, obviously, Man Cow's the dumbest guy in the world. But Bubba is... A different kind of dumb you know like he's just dumb in like real life but yeah yeah smart as an enter he's like smart as an entertainer where man cow is he's like just florida. dumb he's florida dumb florida dumb like uh, he really is even though he's not a, you know uh, born there he's definitely a florida idiot for sure <laughs> he, he was right. he he was able to to best uh todd schnitt though yeah, which he was. you guys you, you guys covered that a little bit on the bub episode it made me laugh a lot because i've prank called todd schnitt is now like a right wing a sort of uh, political guy on newsmax tv like his he now does a show on newsmax tv and i've pranked him a bunch of times and as I, as i said bubba is like deals with it so well doesn't care at all todd schnitt is the exact opposite i called him about that whole thing with the trial and man oh man did it make him visibly upset <laughs> like so angry so angry yeah. what happens he's, in he's florida what what happens in there's something so weird about florida where radio is super important and like all the guys are are crazy as hell you know like it's it's a weird place um so uh like i i would say like the difference between bubba and mancow is like Bubba is Bubba has no aspirations to be seen as smart. Mancow does. Yes, absolutely. Mancow wants to be considered a public intellectual, which is yeah. funny because he's not. He should have. He should have. Yeah, he should have gone with a different name then as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if, if you read like Mancow's book or listen, I to will it, not. I will not a, be. I pretty big read. if. <laughs> don't read it, please. <laughs> I, I think it's a good punishment for people. It is. You should have to read that in jail if you get in trouble for something. Yeah. It, it, like, his, his book is awful, and it's worse than any Chalk Chalk book, I would wager, because of how smart Man Cow wants to be seen as. Like, the, he, man, he, he attempts literature in this way that is truly unnerving and horrible to experience. <laughs> Whereas Bubba will not do that. But part of, part of that dichotomy is that like okay so man cow like faces a similar situation knowing what i know about man cow man cow would just probably try to freeze that person out of his life right like if someone close to him like 
had to be institutionalized for suicidal tendencies. He would probably just be like, oh, I can't deal with that right now. Like, because he's <laughs> yeah, like also yeah. a bad person. But because like Bubba has never attempted to be smart, he's like, oh, yeah, we should. Uh, uh, when someone gets out of a psych hold, you have to go to a strip club with them. Yeah, <laughs> he does probably really, truly in his heart believe that that's the cure for yeah. mental illness is like going to a strip club or something. Yeah, 100%. So uh, I have some prank calls that uh, I wanted to play for, for uh, Chris just to kind of get his opinion. And something about prank call, uh, I like this is considered one of the best radio pranks i i believe what the one i'm about to play is considered like a top radio prank and i want to play it and uh you end up uh, well I'll, I'll just play it <laughs> i I'll, know this i'll one. just play it yeah <laughs> hello af you're the 106th caller i'm sorry oh hello af hi hi who's this hey it's craig from Waltham. hey craig uh guess what oh did I win? You are the 107th caller! Oh, no, 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 well, what are you going to do with 100 grand? I got this, oh man, I got this box for a truck. I've got to get a new one. A new, tr oh, that, oh. Wait, wait, dude, how are you going to do that with the candy bar? What? How are you going to do that with a, a candy bar? We just we just gave you a, a hundred grand candy bar. What is? What is it? We gave away a hundred grand. It's, no. a, it's, it's a candy bar, bro. Congratulations. What? We you just won a candy bar. Hey, what? what You've been, I've been listening to the radio. For like three hours, oh. man. You said a hundred grand. Yeah, a hundred grand. We gave you a candy That's bar. A candy Congratulations, bar. buddy. Oh, you guys are a bunch of douchebags. Hey, 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 Congratulations, hey. man. <laughs> so that is really That's the best. <laughs> oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> That's I mean, really good. <laughs> when we're talking about shock jock prank calls, that is probably a top. That's considered like a top level prank, and it is so obviously fake you know like it is it's 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 one of the like competition pranks right where they're like the idea is they're running this fake contest and uh yeah they've talked about this you know they've they've they themselves have, have discussed this at length this this prank call and about how it was fake and talked about how the guy on the other end is a guy from accounting and uh yeah and they're like humiliated by it. It, it, it i mean you know you guys obviously know how much they hate each other now so it is kind of fun to like like anthony will will play this and then just mock opie in it you know and vice versa yeah it's it sucks like that call is horrendous i had heard him play it a bunch of times like as like one of their great things that they did, you know, like uh, like they went on their tapes for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, no, no, no. It was, it was. I'm only talking about like a afterwards, like oh, when yeah, the show yeah. was done. That they were that they talked about it in hindsight. Like I, I've definitely heard a clip of them discussing this very prank call and like uh, how how you know Anthony talks about because I do think Anthony, as you guys, he's he's obviously the funnier of the two and actually has a sense of humor and actually gets comedy. So I think he was just like, as he tells it, just horrified to be a part of this, you know? 
I, I mean, I was, I'm like that. Uh, the first time I listened to that again, like after having done the, the Colin show and done, done what I do, like I was mortified listening to it because yeah. I thought it was fucking real in 2004, <laughs> you know, like back when I had heard it. But by the time I had, by the time I had come back around to listen to the shock jock stuff. I'd listened to that call and I, I was even embarrassed. Like I couldn't believe that he, they would put that on the radio. And again, this is a lot like the man cow driving the car or turd driving his car into the side of the building <laughs> that anybody believed that that was real. I, 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 it's unfucking believable to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I would, um, I talked to my sister a bit about Man Cow uh, after that episode, and she posed a good question, or not not so much a question, but like, to think about the lives of the people who thought the turd bit was real, because there have to statistically some are out. There. <laughs> I don't think I I oh, man, there's a possibility. I, I wonder if I would have fallen for the turd bit in I don't 1993, so. right? Like, How old were you? Like, maybe as a child. I think I could fall for it as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I was, like, seven, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was probably... I think when that came out, I was probably 14, I would guess. 14 or probably 15. Probably not at 14 no. or 15. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the car sounds so fucking fake, man. It's It's the car that is the problem with that thing and the fact that like when he's reading off the speed limit like when he's reading the speed that he's going it's taking him like a really long time to get up 10 miles an hour in a geo metro yeah <laughs> <laughs> almost like they're on a long radio show where they have to fill a bunch of time or <laughs> also like how like the the woman playing turd's mom that alone would probably do it. Like she's so shit. She's so she's like yeah. I hope you don't kill my son today, man. Now. <laughs> like, it's so fucking bad. But statistically there is an adult or maybe several out there who were bamboozled by man cow. Uh, I think more people probably thought the 100 grand thing was real because it's like infinitely there are less moving parts to it than the turd geometro thing. Yeah. I mean, I think also you would want to believe that more. There's nothing that would make you want to believe the turd thing. Like, Mancow <laughs> is a dishonest person, but he's also a dipshit. And he doesn't realize, like, part of, like, selling... Like, it's sort of like the pro wrestling business. Like, part of selling your audience, something that's dishonest, is as much... Their desire to believe it is as important as anything else. And why would the... Like... At the end of the day, the audience isn't like, oh, my God, I, I, I hope they're doing crazy car stunts with turd. Like, the stunt isn't even <laughs> cool. He's just driving a car into the side of a factory. Like, why would you give a shit? Yeah, I, I would I would say also that, like, with the with the with going along with the wrestling idea, the kayfabe idea, it is like Opie and Anthony playing a mean prank on a guy is something that like if you buy into it it is a lot more fun than if you're just like this is bullshit you know yeah mm -hmm. 
<laughs> because like yeah in the in like what's allow what was allowed for them to do on terrestrial radio like that would be you would consider that a, like you could argue that that's funny it is i i mean yeah. it's a hard argument but i would agree it's it and also it, yeah if it was compl- done completely properly like if the acting was perfect and you really yeah. believed it and it was a real person being fooled by it then it could be funny definitely but i mean just the fact that they, they don't have money none of these shows have enough money to get actors right no so they don't have they don't have actors they just have people around the office like playing the roles of these people and it's like you know I, I'm, acting's not that hard but it you know it's something so these people are just so bad and it makes it so obvious that it's a bit almost every time right like sketch comedy is super hard is like something that people like train to do you know and and it takes a lot of work to figure it out and a lot of these bits are like sketches you know and and they're like but they're they're just going uh go get the intern that answers the phones and the intern that gets my coffee and we'll have them uh pretend to be calling in for a contest or something like that. Um yeah. here, here's another man cow phone scam. Uh we played we played man cow uh, an excellent man cow phone scam that I'm probably going to play again. Is there any other kind? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's find out. I'm going into this one blind. Let's find out. Nate speaking. How can I help you? Hey, is this a barbecue place? Yes, it is. Listen, uh, you guys <laughs> oh, smoke your meat? No. Yes, we do. Yeah. How long do you smoke your meat? Uh, well, oh. depends on which meat uh, ribs. Um, generally yeah. for about four to five hours. Oh. And uh, for uh, say our pork, mm-hmm. uh, pork butts oh. are normally but, about twelve but. hours. <laughs> oh yeah. How long do you rub the butt? <laughs> This sucks so bad. It's so not funny. That that, 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 that famous noise you make when jacking off, just (laughs) growling like a dog. Oh, see, I didn't even, I wasn't even picking up on that. That's how, like, it was just so bizarre to me. I didn't even understand what was going on. I knew he was sort of sexually turned on a little bit, but yeah, it wasn't very clear. No, you, you, you need like, you need a group of people to like properly analyze a man cow phone scam because there's so much just dog shit going on. But where's the music you need, you coming from? Multiple, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, oh, time to jack off. I better turn on my porn music. Can't, can't come without it. Like, it just, there's so much. You need multiple sets of eyes and ears to really, yeah. really and, examine this. Like, I get what smoking meat sounds like. It's like, it, it sounds like a blowjob or whatever, but like, it is it, like a, a normal thing to say, you know? Yeah, and, I don't, yeah. I don't, I, when, when someone says smoking meat, do you know what I think of? Smoking meat. <laughs> <At> barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if so, <laughs> yeah, if someone ever used that, like, smoking your meat as a euphemism for jacking off, it would be like, it would be like you're the 40 year old virgin, but like, you haven't even jacked off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He, 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 I, I, I hate that, I hate that it's like, it's the worst kind of humor. It's it's like a that's what she said joke. Basically, mm-hmm. that is that is what this is. And again, <laughs> he he always starts the call with exposition about 
or I think I used the wrong word, but, but like, as in like, he always starts the call by being like, is this the barbecue place? Like you would call the barbecue place and then ask them if they are the barbecue place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's that's why that's, I always miss that. Like I miss that in the diarrhea call. Like it's like a poorly translated JRPG. <laughs> like every time Mad Cow calls a business, he's like, "Hello, is this is this a establishment under <laughs> Illinois tax code?" <laughs> is this is this the exact business that would make this really funny? Actually, for me, like not anybody yeah. else. I mean, that meat call sucked ass it's one of the worst i've ever heard yet knowing man cow it gets worse right like like think think about this like that was on fuck that was on he someone cared enough to archive that think about the ones that didn't make it to archive (laughs) (laughs) oh they gotta suck i want uh you know i i feel like one of the best moments of shocktober was uh the the diarrhea prank call. So uh I want to play that for Chris right now. And you know, it's worth it for Felix to hear it again too and for me. Let's uh let's listen to some diarrhea. This is a this is off of Box of Sharpies. This is off of the Man Cow album that sold 100,000 copies for charity, he claimed to Chris Farley during a commercial break. <laughs> so here we go. You miss some of the good stuff. That's all I got to tell you. You certainly do. Uh, pharmacy. <laughs> that is madness inducing. This is pharmacist? Is that what she said? Starts, yes. The first line of the call is this is pharmacist, which. I don't even fucking, I can't even like wrap my mind around being that lazy, you know, like as a writer, I'm a lazy fucking guy, but like give the pharmacy a name. maybe. Also, you can also, it would have been more believable to just to actually cut it down and just say pharmacy. That would have worked as well. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But they somehow went with the only thing that just doesn't work. They somehow picked the only like uh, a formation of words that would not work in that situation. <laughs> well, Chicago is a small town, you know. There's <laughs> yeah. one pharmacy there. Everybody knows pharmacy. Yeah, pharmacy. Yeah, the famous <laughs> pharmacy in Chicago. Pharmacy. Pharmacy, which is staffed by the only pharmacist in town. Pharmacy. <laughs> and, and she and like the problem with her, like everyone knows her weakness. If she hears the word diarrhea. She can't do it. <laughs> like uproariously hilarious. Here we go. It's really unfortunate shit, you know. Um, cool. Hello, can you help me? I don't know what's your problem. I've I've got the showers. <laughs> he fucked it up. Like, he wait. sucks so <laughs> Why couldn't you retake this? This is wait. fake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're recording it. Just do it again. He sucks so bad. <laughs> so we could literally do a year of podcasts analyzing these because every like 
literally every line of dialogue has like seven things wrong. With it. <laughs> I've got. There's no chance he meant that, right? There's no chance he meant showers. No, because he he corrects himself and says the chocolate oh. showers after it, which fucks the joke oh. up anyway. Because oh. like he's already revealed the showers part. <laughs> I've got the showers. Like, who would even fucking... If you called pharmacist and told them you have the showers, they would have no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, they'd be like, what, what, man? (laughs) On this call call so far, it's been, hello, this is pharmacy. I've got showers. (laughs) Uh, I've got showers. The the, uh, chocolate showers. Uh, I'm pooping out of my asshole. Like... (laughs) Like, he's so fucking stupid. Like, I want to, I wish that there was, like, I wish that the man-cow program, I wish that it was, like, the Nixon White House and he was just a paranoid maniac who recorded everyone. Because, like, I would love to see the meetings where he proposes. Because this this feels like a man-cow idea. This has to be a man-cow. It has his his handwriting all over it. It It's the devil's handiwork of shit all over it. (laughs) And, like... I like how did he sell like first of all the staff couldn't say no but was it was it just like yeah uh you know how you like first second oh my god like even in the (laughs) 90s you wouldn't call the pharmacist as an adult being like can you fix my diarrhea (laughs) like you would generally know what to buy also i think like go there yes one thing i also think is that like um if you had diarrhea you would like like calling another place like okay so like if you called target and said, I have diarrhea, or if you called, like, a bowling alley and said, I have diarrhea, can you fix it? I think there's a joke there, probably, but calling a pharmacy and asking them what to do for diarrhea is literally their job. Like, they're supposed to tell you what to do if you have diarrhea. Yeah, they're supposed to be like, well, what you want to take is... uh... (laughs) So here's a little more. Also, just, by the way, hearing the fart noises, like, like... why did he have to put the... I understand why he put the fart noise in, because he's dumb, and he, he thought it heightened it. But it doesn't. It makes it seem more fake. Here's more. Showers. I've got really... Really bad squirts. Um, you can get something called Imodium AD. Oh! Yeah. Oh, so it's pretty straightforward get, call so far. It's literally <laughs> pretty straightforward call with the pharmacist so That's far. Literally, what would happen if you call a pharmacy? <laughs> like this. So, like, even like they could have done anything they wanted, and their fake pharmacist, he's like his like asshole. It has like three XLRs on it. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it wouldn't sound like that. Like to no. uh, to call somebody on the phone, and you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> like you would have to have like studio quality mics literally inside your asshole. <laughs> Yeah. And even even that, like the even that, the this completely made up call with like, I don't know, some woman who works in fucking like ad cells. They, she's like, oh yeah, you could buy this medication for your diarrhea. I know. The, yeah. Like, if you were gonna write the funny fucking joke, you would ma- make her get all flustered about it. Not like exactly the, the exact right answer. 
Yeah, it's yeah. like he loses even in this made-up scenario. Like they yeah, put he... it, they put a key ball up for Man Cow <laughs> in a fake game where the scoreboard already says he wins, and his pants fell down. <laughs> fucking face planted. He fucking sucks so much. Here's a little more. Get off my toilet. Okay, do you have somebody that oh, you can send after something? I don't, I'm like making a butt mall every second here. I got the oh, what? I'm trying to figure that out. I can't a figure it out. <laughs> like a chocolate malt. Like a chocolate malt. He's oh. making a butt malt. <laughs> but these aren't like, these aren't terms or anything, you know? These aren't like things, it, would, it wouldn't, you wouldn't laugh at, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's weird. You'd just be like, what did he say there? Like, you'd be confused, you know? I thought he said butt mole. Like, I didn't even know yeah. that it was a butt malt. That's not something yeah. anybody's ever said until the moment that this was on. And again, he says, I can't leave the toilet. And her response is, can you just send somebody to the store? Like, the obvious reasonable thing to say. <laughs> well, yeah, what, what would be... And it's like he painted himself <laughs> into such a corner. Like, what would be the funny response to that even? Like... <laughs> oh, I will come to your house where you're having diarrhea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be sweet if she called a man cow. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking the worst. Can I tell you another prank call he did that I didn't write the timestamp down for? But like, uh, he called an adult bookstore and asked if they had cock rings. And like, of course, they had cock rings. And then he asked if they had like a large. And like, of course, yeah. they had a large, and then that yeah. was the whole call. That that was what was funny. <laughs> God damn it! He's it's fucking one of the sizes. <laughs> he, 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 it's the whole the whole joke here. Like, I'm trying to like I'm trying to like figure out where his mind was, but I think it's sort of pointless to try to figure out where Man Cow's mind is because yeah, don't what even he's do it. Really doing no. here is just saying diarrhea is really funny. You know, yes. Like that's all he's doing. He wanted to use. He had an idea for like to try to get a couple of terms to like stick like uh, butt malt. And I'm surprised that you know what I mean. Like he was obviously the first one to say, it, but I'm surprised you don't sort of hear it in the lexicon now. You know that it never stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it, it really speaks to like how this culture treats conservatives. That yeah. he made a, so many good phrases that we just don't use simply because of his beliefs. It's really like yeah. unfortunate, actually. Here's some yeah. more. <laughs> like a goose. I'm shitting like a goose. Do you have somebody that you can send after something? No, and I'm afraid to come into your store. What could be wrong with me? Peach poisoning. Oh, God, I got the butt hurt <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Every second of this has been like a real call. Yeah, so food poisoning. Well, My it, guess is food poisoning. Literally, success. except for the part, like, everything about this, yeah, it's a real call of the pharmacy's you may possibly make probably not except for the part where man cow is like oh i've got the i've got the duty surprise <laughs> <laughs> like he literally just wanted to get these shitty terms out there yeah and like he is he's like george bush invading iraq He's like, no, no, we just got to get it done. We'll figure out the reasoning later for why I'm calling it. I just have all these hilarious terms for diarrhea I worked really hard on. He, he calls these phone scams, too, which is fun. Like, he, he like, feels like he invented a, a type of prank call 
that is that that is like special that is called a phone scam which that is I'm, like I'm, another funny thing he's a how, how does it how does it finish how does it because i'm interested we haven't heard the end of like how did the, how does this prank call end or does it go on for way too long no we'll finish it we're definitely gonna finish okay. it. here we go do you have a doctor my ass feels like it's on fire do you have a doctor mm. no you mean one for my anus <laughs> I I hate that line more than anything in this whole repellent. Do you have a doctor? Do you mean one for my anus? Yes, go to your- would it Why would it be for your fucking anus? Just a doctor. It's just you're sick. You don't have an actual problem with your anus. <laughs> oh my god. Like he like what? Literally, the punchline is the word anus. God damn it. He's fucking terrible. Yeah, I, he sucks ass. Like, and, and, and. <laughs> the absolute oh worst at everything. I got the Cochrane phone scam, too, so we'll do that. Yes. One. But, uh, I, but here, we'll, we're going to play this out. You know, we got to listen to this whole thing because it is a work of art. Okay. You're gonna have to get somebody that can come after something. Could I? Uh, could I plug it up and come in? What I don't you, think so. What would you recommend? Mm, I am the product I recommend is called Amodium AD. She's like, listen, I've already told you <laughs> exactly. I've already fucking told you what to do. <laughs> this call should have ended a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, literally, this this like poor saleswoman who Mancow enlisted for this horseshit has better radio instincts than him. But can I ask? Can I ask why didn't he like write anything for her? You know, like he told her that she had to play a pharmacist. I, I think this the way this worked was Mancow wrote his part and then he said, I yeah. need somebody to play pharmacist. And like uh-huh. it was just somebody in the in the studio, like an intern or something like that. He's like, You're a pharmacist, and like didn't write their part. So like 99% of the comedy that comes from a prank call is gone. Because the person's treating it like it's real. And I'm I'm wondering if it was like like just laziness or or like not very creative people, or if Mancow thought like we're gonna make this seem as real as possible and like yeah, just choked all I the think. humor out of it. That's what that's what I think is the case is uh, but but also it has to do with like these radio shows as you guys they do like super long shows every day and they have to do so much content. So I think sometimes they just rush bits through and I think it's a case of that where they tell themselves like, you know what, it'll be better if we don't write lines for her. Just have her do real reactions, genuine reactions it'll seem more real but in reality it's laziness and not wanting to write out proper bits that's my feeling yeah it's all it's laziness but also like he's just like he's allergic to anything that takes any effort like i i effort's the wrong word i think like it's creativity He's one mm-hmm. of the. I think he could be the <laughs> least creative guy, yeah, with yes. that, which is yeah. weird because he's also most dishonest. Uh, <laughs> he has zero imagination, just zero. Mm-hmm. Like he has the part of your brain that 
can see beyond just your immediate life. He just doesn't have that. That's like when he's he a- when he was on that racist rant that we played like on the Manco episode, where like him, even someone who's virulently racist, and no one's listening, so he can kind of just be as racist as he wants. He his like image of black people is like it, it's somehow like. Most racists, there's like an element of creativity because you are creating this like hyper stereotype, like ridiculous image of this group of people you hate. But but Mancow is like intellectually bankrupt even for a racist. Like his entire thing is like sub even like a boomer Facebook rant right. about like urban types in your neighborhood. Well, it's him being mad about saying stuff like he when he says, "You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. You're dumb." It's like a part of that rant and you're just like, "What the fuck is he even talking about?" <laughs> Here, he has like yeah. he, he has he has no creativity and he's you know like and he's also I just thought about this. He's also the only one that you guys talked about on this that is not extremely physically ugly so i don't know if there's like a correlation there but he's the only he's the, all the other hosts are like noticeably ugly and he's just a normal looking guy you know he, he, yeah, he looks like every guy in chicago just like <laughs> to, like to, you know max 20 pounds overweight goatee <laughs> shitty haircut that's just like that's like if there was a chicago video game that would just be like the enemy that you fight against the lowest <laughs> level enemy would look like man cow here we go oh, oh, oh. <laughs> would my thumb work i recommend Amodium ad oh, oh hilarious someone in after it. do you also sell toilet paper why wouldn't they of course they do why wouldn't they sell toilet paper guys you know i just realized like I listened to this episode. I was sort of, I was like half in and out of, like I was listening to all of these episodes you guys did. And that part just came back to me now, the toilet paper part. Like, it's like, that's his like capper on the thing. Like, that's how he fucking, and of course they have toilet paper. It's just, <laughs> the whole joke. It's, the, it's like, you, like a lot of people write a joke or a funny thing and and they're like i want a bunch of i want this to heighten and build to like one big like major mm-hmm. laugh but the whole the whole structure of this prank call is uh isn't diarrhea funny like that's the whole fucking idea behind this call and everything's and, and you get it right it. away yeah you, you, like you get it immediately you just like there's nothing more to know within the first 10 seconds you understand the humor of it and you're not going to get any additional humor <laughs> at all <laughs> i was trying i like i really did expect I, like i'll, I'll I, I think we're almost done with it here oh, oh, oh diarrhea cha 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 yeah, well, he had to do his catchphrase. He had to do his catchphrase. The diarrhea, cha cha cha. It's just like it, the whole joke is diarrhea, and like the funniest lines in it are unintentionally very. Like, do you sell toilet paper? To him, it's funny because toilet paper touches your butt. To us, it's funny because he's asking a pharmacy if it has toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea that it's yeah. funny that a pharmacy has like that 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 that, that 
again, it's just toilet paper, like touches your butt, and that. Oh my god! You know what's funny? If he called you, him? like if 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 he called you, you and you were on the other end of that call, legitimately, you would think that he was that he was mental that he had like a mental problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like, like you would think there's something wrong with them asking those types of questions. You know, <laughs> totally true. All right. Uh, we're gonna do one more man cow uh, prank call, and then uh, we'll uh, sort of uh, wrap it up with Chris here. And uh, but but I I, I want to play the Cochrane call for you guys because I think you deserve it. Okay. I'm 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 looking at some of the I'm just reading the track listings on Box of Sharpies. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> that album. Shit. I'll fucking I have recommended to a few people. Like there, there was a few guys after, and, and I can't believe this. Uh, I, I'll say this: I cannot believe it. But there were a few guys that DM'd me asking for the box of Sharpies link, and I was like, <laughs> "I'm gonna give you the link, but I fucking seriously do not recommend that you listen to it. Like it fucking sucks. It's like not funny at all. <laughs> there isn't like a good idea in it. Not not a single good idea in it." You know, not not even on the track. Harry Carey gets hairy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you what that call is. Actually, he calls a place. Oh, it's a call. It's a call. It's okay. a phone scam where he calls a place that uh, does body shaving, like shaves people's hair, and he asks them if he'll they'll shave his body, like his private parts and stuff. Like that's like the whole thing. It, that's the call. It's like a guy does body, but he shaving. does it as 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 Harry Carey. He does it as Harry Carey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. But it, it was just he. He's just like, do you do body shaving? Uh, I uh, do you do body shave? Like the guy answers the phone, <laughs> says he's a body shaver, and then he says, oh, do you do body shaving? And then the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, do, uh, would you shape shave my private areas? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, ha, I love that. Oh, it's funny. Like, basically, the whole joke is that the guy will shave your pubic hairs. Is like exactly what yeah. it is. Here's Cockering, Cockering phone scam for everybody. The music is so funny, too. Hello. Listen, uh, what's the name of your store? Wow, it's building gate number eight. All right, because I think I'm coming in to get, to get some. Do you guys got any of those cock rings? Uh, cock rings? Hang on a second. Let me see. All right. Hi, can I help you? Yeah, listen, uh, I'm looking for a cock ring. Yeah, what size you need? Um, <laughs> how many? I got like four. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> again, he calls a place that has cock rings and asks for a cock ring. <laughs> I have to say, as somebody who does prank calls, and I don't necessarily do the same type, just to, so people know, I do sort of different kind of prank calls maybe than these, but um, I can say, like, if, if one goes like this and you kind of call and you get this sort of reaction, you just got to bin it and you got to try again, you know? <laughs> you got you to gotta wait till you have somebody who reacts in some, some extraordinary yeah. way. Something has to happen. There's just... But that's the most insane thing. This is not real. 
Yes, exactly. That's the, that that wrinkle of it makes it so much. It, it, that part I can't even, Felix. I can't even put it into my brain because it just makes it want to explode. You know? Because <laughs> you know, Chris, you're funny, and you Thanks, could man. do a fake prank call that is fucking <laughs> hilarious, right? Like if you were controlling the other side of the phone. You know exactly what would make that funny. And and like Most, for yeah. some reason, Man Cow thinks that the person on the other side of the phone should just like basically do what their job would be in real life. <laughs> it's very <laughs> fucking Felix, weird. Felix is right. He's not creative. He's not creative. And I am I am sticking I think I have a I have a theory it's because he's not ugly enough. That's what I think. <laughs> I kind of agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he's super ugly on the inside, like as, yeah. as ugly as you can possibly be. He's like a liar. He's a racist. He's, uh, you know, everything about him sucks, you know, and, and like, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's like a, just a normal looking guy. And, and but imagine I'm I, like, I'm thinking this call is like, not that like, it's kind of whatever. It's like, you know, a cock ring, but I'm thinking about what about a fucking large cock ring? <laughs> he's, he's a horrible thinker. Like that's, that's really, that's the long and short of it is that yeah. man cow is like cognitive thought. He's dumber than Bubba. I, yeah, I'm just gonna say it because Bubba has an imagination. You know, Bubba's yep. like Wiley. You know what I yeah. mean? He's like a, 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 a he. A, he reminds me of guys that I used to hang out with in high school and stuff that like were were smarter than everybody in the room, but played it like they were dumb. Where like, uh, but Bubba, I don't think is smarter than everybody in the room. Don't, no. don't get me wrong, but I do think that he plays up the dumbness a little bit like he pronounces things wrong on purpose because he knows yeah people you're right you're right he he's does, a redneck yeah. redneck you know yeah. <laughs> so uh he like, is the, he is the smartest but i just do want to clarify again after dealing with everyone in the baba army that when he's at work he is the smartest one in the room oh yeah absolutely <laughs> like, well none of these people are the dumbest none of these guys would put anybody on their show that's like more talented or smarter than them like that was opie's fatal flaw right was that he, yeah he hired a guy that was better than him at what everything. about billy uh not to bring it off topic but just to the howard stern what was his name bill he does the voice did the voices of billy Futurama west as well billy, billy west. west that was famous that was famously what happened that it, howard kicked him off the show because he was just a little bit too smart and funny you know like yeah. uh that he would that he would sort of uh, outdo him sometimes on some of the bits that's what people would say that he got rid of him because it was he was like threatened by it you know yeah, I believe that. I mean, Howard is like like an egomaniac, so I I I can totally believe that. I want to play a Bubba the Love Sponge prank call, but you know, guess what? They're all like way too long. They're all like five minutes. <laughs> God damn it! Just to, you don't even need to listen to them to know what like how bad those are. You know, because there's no prank call that should go on for longer than a minute. Can, can I read some of the names though? Uh, bad meat prank call. <laughs> Tattoo Barbie prank call. Um. Female impotence device prank call. <laughs> Wait, uh -oh. I, I found a two minute, 23 second one that I think we can do. It's Ned calling about bad meat. 
Uh, who, do, who does Ned's voice? Is I think it is uh, yeah, Trace's dad, the guy I talked about who's his co-host, right? That's who does the, it's the Manson. Ned voice. It's Manson, but Manson's Manson. gone, yeah. actually. So, yeah. uh, and, and, and Shrek Piss Slave Geiger told us that he actually almost dated a girl once that said that she met Ned, which is very funny because he's like a fake <laughs> <character>. <laughs> Here we go. USDA, can I help you? Yes, uh, I was calling. Is this who I talked about, about those uh, hamburgers? Yes, it is. Yes, I was calling about those uh, recalled Hutchin burgers. Uh, I think I got a hold of some of them. What was the lot number? Uh, well, I, I got the package right here. It's uh, 156A7. Uh, God. Well, yeah, I was uh, I was at a, a church social yesterday, and uh, I had a hamburger eating contest. This better be going somewhere. I know, I know. Babies. I think I know the joke here. And uh, I'm not feeling too good. Oh my god! <laughs> See, but that's like it's like a, the same premise as like the worst all the man cow phone scams, but like Bubba puts effort in. Right, yeah. the person it's on the other much better acted. It's like it's just like comprehensively better. It it's sounds amazing. real. It sounds more real, and the person on the other side. I mean, I, 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 we, we should go a little further to find out if the person on the other side is a, a, actually affected, you know, by, by whatever this is. Oh, jeez. What happened? I just threw up. Sir, you need to get to a hospital. Uh, oh, ain't there nothing else I could do? Cause uh, I hate doctors. How long have you been feeling sick, sir? Well, I started throwing up about midnight, and I started uh, coughing up blood a couple hours ago. Oh, Jesus! Sir, you really need to get to a hospital. <laughs> yeah. Is it normal to, to have blood in your stool? No. <laughs> See? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say this. It's it's better than man cow, and uh, I thought the whole joke was going to be that he has diarrhea again, but actually... It's kind of funny to say that you're coughing up blood and shitting blood. Yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. There's like a horror quality to There's a lot going on. Like He's heightening. He's heightening it. Like the, he, the, there's, there's no heightening in a man cow call, as we discussed. It starts at the top, and then it just starts going down. So it, it tapers off. Like this one is heightening. It's like one and then another one, and then coughing up blood and blood in the stool. It's also like there's some concept to it, being that there was some meat recalled, and he's calling the USDA and has gotten really sick like there's an actual like a real phone call that would be you know you would be actually making this call it's like believable there is a hundred times better yeah there is a reason to make that call right if there if there's been a meat recall like there's a reason Mm -hmm. to do this call something's been in the news whereas like yes that too yeah (laughs) with man cow it's just (laughs) he's just making the call you know like i think to him like Oh, the idea really is like, wouldn't it be funny if a guy with diarrhea called a pharmacy? Wouldn't it be funny if an older gentleman called and asked for a cock ring? Like that is like the things that he thinks are Wait, funny he about supposed the bit. He was supposed to be an older gentleman asking for the cock ring. That was the idea. <laughs> that was the voice. The voice sounded didn't like even an old pick man. up on it. <laughs> I, I picked up on just a guy calling for a cock ring and then saying, "Yes, we've got one." That's. 
Yeah, yeah. and then the XL, you know, or, or or whatever size. Like he just was. I guess the idea was that like he was talking to his penis, talking about his penis to his service worker. Wait, wait a second though. I just thought of something. Is he just bragging about having a big urethra? Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I did not think of it that way. So <laughs> let me say this about him about Man Cow that was funny to us was that like his big slam on Howard Stern was that Howard Stern had a small penis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was like a part of Howard Stern's brand. Literally opens yeah. two best selling books talking about totally. it. <laughs> and, and Talks I, about it ad nauseum. Yeah. Ad nauseum on his show. I know. And he's saying like Oh, uh, I I actually have a huge dork is actually is what he says when he com- when Howard confronts him the one time I have a huge dork and it's like that goes to what you're saying Chris like okay like a guy with a big dick is a lot less funny than a guy with a little dick <laughs> yeah it's almost when- almost always yeah <laughs> yeah like it's he like he doesn't like. Even, like, the dumbest comedian understands that, like, for the conceit of comedy, like, you could have a huge dick, or you could be, like, an okay-looking person, but for the conceit of comedy, you're supposed to, like, not like yourself, at least for, like, the type of shit that Mancow is doing. It's not supposed to be, like, a... What is... Like a cool guy with a huge dick who fucks tons of hot women, <laughs> literally fucked like sixty woman women in like one day, and like the thing he's doing is calling a pharmacy on the phone and being like, "Yeah, could you help me get the diarrhea out of my asshole?" <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like fuck you, dude. That when when fucking like Baba or Opie and Anthony, these weird ugly freaks are doing it, then you're like, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. You know, like I understand why they're pissed off at everything, but you see, Matt, you're like, shut. Just go live your life, dude. Don't yeah, bug these pharmacists. Mancow could have easily like just been like a normal guy in Chicago who has like a fake job with the city and just <laughs> hates unions for some reason. Like he could have just been like any number of like just awful people in Chicago. Instead, he like chose this because he has a super high opinion of himself. And he's never like, have you noticed that like Mancow is never like, never self-deprecating really no he's definitely yeah i I mean like i the closest i think i heard him come to somewhat self-deprecating was when billy corgan told him that he admired him and man cow was like oh i can't believe it billy corgan he admires me and it was like that was as close as it ever came and that's not even like (laughs) self-deprecating that's just being like i'm so excited that that billy corgan admires me (laughs) So, um, I think, um, so, uh, we didn't get, I didn't do any Howard prank calls because honestly they're funny and, uh, it's less fun to do stuff that's funny than it is to do like man cow's just fucking really fun to talk about because he like sucks is the worst. Yeah. He sucks just on like such a high level that like he made all these other guys look like almost great at what they do. Yeah. He's he could be one of the worst people to ever do radio. <laughs> <laughs> He's like worse than your local like John Boy and Billy type radio. Yeah. Like he's as bad as they are. 
you know. Um, Chris, I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, talking Dang. about this. And uh, it, it has been incredibly fun. And tell people where to find your stuff because I, I love it. Actually, uh, a funny story about Chris is that he asked me to answer questions on his show. And uh, <laughs> I 100% believed I was being pranked. <laughs> like before, <laughs> I was like having a panic attack before. <laughs> I called you because I was like, he's like definitely pranking me, right? He's gonna ask me like if I, like my penis size or something. <laughs> so yeah, I was very. Glad. I was gonna get. I was gonna get you on the line, and I was gonna be like, I got this terrible diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> you should have got me on the line and told me I want a hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, that's oh that one. You know that's funny because I think about that sometimes because I do have right wing figures on and prank them on my Twitch stream sometimes. Like I tell them I'm gonna do an interview interview and then i have them on just to humiliate them kind of but i mean i i have normal people on to just answer hey, felix has come on and answered the questions as well so yeah i'm i'm, I'm sorry that you thought uh, you were being pranked but you were great you guys were both great yeah that's my i have a twitch stream uh call-in show called no prank radio twitch.tv slash no prank radio where basically people call and prank me it's the premise of it and then i have a youtube channel where i make prank calls to like conservative like uh Gorka and all those people, and I edit the footage, and it's called the Not Even a Show. Yeah, and it, the, the the Gorka stuff is fucking so funny, and your name has come up at the White House. <laughs> yeah, <it's good>. Gorka. <laughs> Excuse me, Gorka's call screener got so mad that we were getting on the air and and pranking and getting past him that he tried to call into my Twitch stream and own me. And he spent 25 minutes absolutely humiliating himself. And it is really it was one of my great moments. Ever. Like, it felt like I was a real radio host at that moment as well. You know, yeah. like I have this guy on like trying to get me like it's like a radio war. And like, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're a brave. That's legendary. Right. Doing what you do to, i mean we talked about this on all the other episodes but there's a lot of stuff that like i am way too uncomfortable to do so like i admire people like you who are willing to like be uncomfortable i i know you're making fun of assholes that deserve it but uh yeah. it still feels uncomfortable when you're making fun of ass like when you're it confronting does, one it, it- <laughs> Totally. It's I, I had to get over it for sure. It's weird. It's like because one of the pranks I like to do is I say, hey, I'm I love you. I'm your biggest fan, but I have a family member who hates you and is always saying terrible things uh, such as and then I start <laughs> sort of listing all of these really awful cutting things about them on their own show to their face. And it's hard to even though they're terrible, it's hard to be like you're a piece of garbage scumbag who no one respects. And like, you know, it's hard to say that. But I've gotten over it. It's easy now. <laughs> it's it's actually funny. Uh, uh, right before we let you go, the, there was a man cow interview with uh, William Shatner that I listened to where he, <laughs> he he so he starts it out by saying, are you t- uh, hey, are you tired of people calling you fat and old and bald? And like. <laughs> Like, that's not a funny he's like that's not a funny joke to me i don't think it's very funny and william shatner's like uh well i don't people don't really like say that to my face and he was like yeah i've heard it though people have said it and i'm just like at first i 
I thought it might be what what you're describing, Chris, but I think that like was really his way to bond with William Shatner. Yeah, he's so fucking <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Was by telling him that people call him fat and old and dumb and, yeah. <laughs> and then him saying that like <laughs> him saying yeah, he doesn't they, they, think oh, that. I, I got I I you know, I've been you know, people are talking to, I've been defending you against all these people talking shit about you. It's like the meanest <laughs> thing you can say to someone. Yeah, like, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that just speaks to how deeply stupid he is. <laughs> Especially because he wanted to be friends with with uh, with William Shatner. Like he loves famous people. Like, all these guys really want to be friends with famous people. But like he's now friends with William Shatner. As far as he says, like I I don't you know. Yeah, how is, I don't you know. know. Again, like we we talked about this. Man, all man cow celebrity friends are like. <laughs> Too old to have full agency. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy Corgan and Alex Jones. Those are like two guys that that like actually like him, which is weird. But uh That's very weird to me. Uh yeah, I know. Um Chris, thanks for doing this. And thank uh, you, Chris. It was very fun. Uh I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it was a pleasure. I, I've been listening to it. It's I, I, I'm not lying. It's my favorite podcast currently. And so anytime you get to come on to your favorite podcast is a lot of fun. So thanks for having me. Our pleasure. 100%. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, too. It's been it's people have, have been really digging the show and it's really fun. Uh, we'll talk to you later, Chris. I, I will get a hold of you after the show. Um, Sounds good. Bye. All right. So, uh, Felix, the next thing we're going to do here is uh i have a young man who i made listen to all the 9-11 episodes from the shock jocks and uh he wasn't old enough to really realize 9-11 therefore not really old enough to know about shock jocks <laughs> i guess not yeah you're, you're either both or neither <laughs> yeah you have to be you have to have been at least a teenager at 9-11. How old were you at 9-11? Uh, 11 years old. And you were already listening to Shock Jocks. Well, I was, uh, yeah, I was listening to Loveline. I had heard Man Cow. I hadn't, I did not hear Obi and Anthony till Sirius XM. But of course, read Howard Stern's books. Yeah, that's so, it's so funny that, that you were, uh, it, it's so funny for me to think that, that like, uh, you were a let, I was, uh, 21, I think, is how old I was when when 9-11 happened. And that's, what, that's what's wild about that. Like, So I found them when I was 11, Loveline. Or no, I found Loveline way younger than that. I found them at like age 8. But yeah, I, my point was I had been listening to Shock Jocks at that age. And like all the moral panic about the internet, and for sure, like there's a ton of shit that kids shouldn't see. But it's like I could literally just turn on my like alarm clock radio and like Loveline in 1999, like holy shit! I should not have been listening to that. That's so, at all. It was going through the fucking air. It was like this yeah. stuff was going like through the air. Anybody could get it. We all had access to it. I mean, it was theoretically uh, uh, the FCC was 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 uh, in charge of it. But Loveline was a, a late show, right? Like it was on during safe Harbor. Yeah. 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 Like the thing, well, yeah, I, I've always been like a very poor sleeper. And so yeah, when I couldn't sleep as a kid, just be fucking listening to Loveline all night. Like it was, Oh man, 
I like I've like gone back and listened. I went back and listened to it when I was like in high school, right? And even then, like a lot of it didn't hold up. Mostly because of like the weird Adam and Drew stuff against like single mothers. Like even as a teen, I was like, that's kind of weird. Like they Three, they uh, are like rude. They hate that they're like they, rude they, they hate single mothers. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing I've ever. Heard. We have one more guest, and then me and you are gonna wrap this thing up. Uh, I I this guest. Uh, he he is uh, not the most famous guy, but uh, it felt like if me and Felix were going to do a podcast together, that it, it was sort of important to get him on. And um, Felix, I don't very important. <laughs> it's just because he's a very important person to the two of us, and that's why we're doing. Yeah, it. he's our Velvet Underground. <laughs> he really is. He's the funniest guy. Um, I got uh, Big Dave. Or Mawa X. Um, he's going to be in the room here in a second. And uh, yeah, man, 9-11. What a fucked up time. You know, it was like it was like uh, the shock jocks all suddenly got very serious for a period. And also like so, like that was the time when everybody kind of turned into man cow and that they were saying like. They were self-serious in the same way as Man Cow for yeah. like a year, you know? <laughs> what, like, worst period for Chalk Jocks, I would argue. Maybe the worst time in recent American history. Right, yeah. The, I would say. I would say it's the worst time for Shock Jocks. I, I feel like some of that like mid-90s stuff, or, or, or maybe like, let, let's just say like 19... 98 99 they were still so a, a lot of these guys were still so uh wrapped up in old radio and and like that 50 that 100 grand call is a good example of it and like that was a bad time but it was at least like uh not annoying <laughs> like it wasn't like uh self serious they didn't take themselves super serious it's annoying on a spiritual level how self-serious it is. It's like it's really it's truly grating in a way that a lot of things aren't. Yes, absolutely. Um, our our guest right now is uh, Big Dave Malwa. Ex- what are you now? Since you've been kicked off of Twitter forty-seven times, Malwa, Malwa X. X. <laughs> Ex, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you were a fan of Shock Jocks, and me and Felix. What a shock! <laughs> We've never guessed. <laughs> me and Felix are fans of you, so we wanted to talk to you about your time uh, listening. What were your shows? Well, uh, the main two shows that really uh, sort of hooked me because we didn't get a lot of Shock Jocks up here in the Pacific Northwest in Canada. Um, we're at Bubble the Love Sponge and Howard Stern when I finally kicked terrestrial radio to the curb and went went to satellite. I, I, I got to say, Dave, uh, very shocked that you like Bubba the Love Sponge. Felix, would you agree? <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I last thing I ever would have expected. <laughs> I would have thought Opie and Anthony. Like I I'd No, yeah, I would have I would have picked Stern. Yes, yeah, Stern. Like, yeah. Stern he did like. So Stern and Bubba the Love Sponge. Uh 
I would have picked Stern and Opie and Anthony. Like, I, there was no way I would have considered you would be one of the second tier guy listeners. Well, no, uh, Bubba used to come on after Stern every day, right? So, like, I would listen to Stern, and then uh, because Stern would be over so early, I had one of those jobs where I would start at like 4 a.m. So I would catch the East Coast show of Howard, and then right at lunchtime, um, Bubba Love Sponge would come on. Okay, so what were some of your favorite things about Bubba? Actually, first, well, because we talk, we'll talk about Stern in a few minutes. But like, what were what were your your like Bubba things that you enjoyed? I think the main thing was just like they're such rednecks, and like I didn't really have too much exposure to that, like Southern rednecks and uh, the colloquialisms, like learning all the wrestling terms, marks, jabronis. Uh, uh, cutting a promo, shooting, all, all that kind of stuff. I, I learned from Bubba's show. Uh, he introduced me to so many uh, memorable characters, Spice Boy, Ned, uh, Mason. <laughs> Can I <laughs> say then, that the names, that, like when you start listing the names of the Bubba the Love Sponge cast, it sounds <laughs> like it sucks so bad. <laughs> Let me just say, Manson, uh, what was Spice Boy? <laughs> Spice Boy, he's the one who leaked the tape, right? The, okay. The one who, who who stabbed Bubba in the back and ended up leaking the 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 tape of so Hogan fucking his wife. Me and Felix have theorized about this many times on the show, and uh, I think it's still Bubba's fault. Number one and number two, it's still possible that Bubba uh, gave the tape to Spice Boy and told him to do something because Bubba seems like mm-hmm. a sleaze bag to me. <laughs> What gives you that impression? <laughs> uh, he def- definitely is, but I don't think he would have ever betrayed Hogan like that. He was like he, he let his wife have sex with Hogan. He loved Hulk Hogan. Like if you listen to those shows, like he would call in uh, every week just about Hogan, and they talk about writing for TNA with um, uh, Bischoff and stuff. And they were they were tight. And he, I don't know. I, he worships two guys. He worships Howard Stern and he worships Hulk Hogan. I don't think he would have betrayed Hogan like that. That's that's just my thoughts. Like how odd is it that his crew did it, you know? And like he's still I mean, I think one point that he has on his side is that Hogan settled for five thousand dollars which is like not a ton of money you know for guys like that and uh he might know i i I mean it's still astoundingly stupid and it shows his need to have famous friends and or, or to i think it shows his need just to have friends period that like he ha- he took the video to work and he showed it to people because he claims it's just a <laughs> surveillance video, but he was obviously showing it to people. <laughs> it was so weird. Like his whole thing was like, you know, he's so uh, everything was taped, like uh, all parts of like he, he had like a, a MMA pit and he called it the Bubba gone. And uh, he had uh, like video cameras up there. And it was just. It was it was really crazy. Like it was it was a wild show, and like you know, definitely, you know, it took like Howard Stern's shock level, and he really ramped it up to like the next level. Can I ask what they did in the Bubba Gone? When whenever guys would fight on the staff, they'd have to settle it in the Bubba Gone. <laughs> in a fight? 
Yeah. Okay, I like that. That's a great fucking bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it's pretty wild. Like he's had so many lawsuits against him in Tampa. It's unreal. Like uh, one of the most famous. Did you guys ever bring up about when he had uh, Hunter uh, kill a wild pig on on a show? Yes. Yeah. 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 I that's mean, that is an odd one though because. Apparently that's how you butcher a pig, you know. Right. Like he was just butchering a pig, <laughs> basically. <laughs> the hunter was not him. Yes. And then, and then the whole thing with him and his old his old uh, buddy Cowhead. They th- then he 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 thought Cowhead was the one who got him in trouble with the law because his wife was the DA or something like that, and so he's had a you know multi year lawsuit. So. The guy is pretty much broke now because of the millions of lawsuits he's had over the years. It's pretty amazing. Like you're just on the radio. How can you have so many lawsuits? Okay, the first one, again, the F- FCC was was great. That put him on the map, and that's what got him in Howard's good book because they used to hate each other because Bubba would say, "Oh, I'm the new Howard Stern" or whatever. And so Howard uh, used to play his clips on the air and, and clown on him, but. When the FCC got him, that's what made Howard more into like having uh, and, and launching his new station on Sirius with Bubba on board. Yeah, Howard's a smart guy, and Bubba is like super not bad at radio either, no, in my yeah. opinion. Like, I think Bubba's show was one of the easier listens for me, you know, with like if I, I have to say, Bubba and um, Opie and Anthony were two, and Howard Stern were very easy to listen to. What And, and Bubba, I was very surprised about because I had never heard him. And uh, I listened to a ton of his material, and I thought it was really, like, it's engaging. He's he's an interesting guy and in, in the same way that Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern are like interesting guys with charisma that that like it doesn't suck to listen to (laughs) (laughs) yeah like uh uh, before he became bubba the love sponge he used to be like on a regular radio and pretend he was black right like he was like a rap a rap dj that's that's unreal yeah he was in a band called uh the boys with the bass (laughs) 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 there is a a ton of bubble lore like he owned like a hundred small businesses like he had clubs he had restaurants uh he had teen clubs which we talked about this on his episode i don't like adults I don't like the idea of opening a teen club for an adult. <laughs> Very strange. Very strange shit. If you want to have a teen nightclub, then it should like have to be run by like a young entrepreneur teen. <laughs> yeah, no. The adult, like, if it's going to exist and adults are involved, they should just be like the owner who never fucking comes in. Yes. But like, you know that Bubba was like... No, I'm not not accusing him, but like you know, fucking deep. Like, oh, you kids never heard ACDC before. Whatever fucking bullshit he listened to. One of the interesting things about Bubba, though, was like when I read about him, a lot of the articles about him, and even his own words, and some of the demo info from his uh, um, from his ratings were that his listeners were mostly from 15 to 18. Yeah, very young audience. <laughs> yeah, so I guess like it makes sense if you're if you're one of these guys that's very cynical and you're looking at your ratings and you're looking at the demos that listen to your show, then you're gonna like open up a teen club because nobody over eighteen likes you. 
And it's so weird. Like Tampa is like this, it's like the Mecca of strip clubs in, in America. And it's such a weird place. And definitely like it opened my eyes. Like I, you know, I've been to Florida a few times, but uh, the show really opened my eyes to what like a, a sleaze pit Tampa Bay is. And maybe I'll visit there one day. Maybe I won't, but who knows, but it was pretty fun listening to the shows back in the day. I'm actually going there next year. We're touring Florida and I, I, I demanded we play St. Pete, which is like right by <laughs> Tampa because I heard like guys like Bubba and Ron and Fez or Ron and Ron kicked off there. So Florida is like, we haven't been there yet, but like I'm excited to go to Tampa and WrestleMania is there. And it seems like a, a pit of sleaze to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty cool. But yeah, you you love you love wrestling. Like he had all the wrestlers on. He had a bunch of NASCAR guys on. He had like a, a lot of cool friends and and guests. But like now he is just like it's sad. Like his show that like I, I watched a bit of his show today. Like uh, catching up on like his new st- his new ventures, and it's kind of sad. Like where he's ended up right now. Right, he fired. I mean, his whole cast is gone. It's a completely different cast. And I think the woman on there is just like a woman he lives with. Like, that's his roommate <laughs> that he has on the show. I don't know if she's making money or like she's okay. So she's done porno in the past. <laughs> and uh, part of me probably thinks that like uh, he took the money from all the guys quitting and is paying her that money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Because he's like a loser. He is really a loser. You're you're totally right, Dave. He he like has really uh he has made millions of dollars and has blown millions of dollars. Like it's all gone. And it's incredible. How hard is it not to get sued? It's pretty it's pretty like easy, like if you're you know, a, a well-liked guy, like he was pretty famous in Tampa Bay. Like you just have to be normal or not piss off everybody you've come across and, and you probably won't get sued. Exactly. I haven't been sued yet, so I'm doing very well. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's so stupid. They would be sued for libel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anyone that idiotic. <laughs> Will. <laughs> <laughs> you say it. Well, I mean, uh, he cleared. Case dismissed. Yes. Let's go, baby. He's been sued though, and, and and these these court cases have been so strange. Like the the Tochnik case, where he, uh, I mean, well, he says he didn't do it. His so, a woman met his lawyer, met Tochnik's lawyer, out for drinks, got said she was too drunk to drive home. And then asked him to drive her car home. And then she called the police on him and said he was a drunk driver. (laughs) And like, uh, that was part of the case. And I think that's fucking crazy. That's like such like a, a, um, and Felix, I think on that night said it's such a Bubba, the love sponge crime. You know? Yeah. It's a, it has a bunch of moving parts for an ultimately idiotic resolution. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what does it even give you, dude? Like, what is what is the uh, opposition lawyer getting busted for drunk driving? Like, where does that get you in court at that point? <laughs> Not too much. The yeah, best, it's, the- it's, it's like it accomplishes 
less than nothing and gets you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Artie said it best. Uh, Bubba, uh, like when they came down for um, Bubba's wedding, the whole uh, Stern crew went down there. And Artie was like, uh, this is like the Godfather and like the whole crew got shipped to Florida to stay out of the family business. And so that's like Bubba Love Sponge was like the Rarity family. And he was there like the maiden crime family that's staying in New York. <laughs> I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe Stern like went down there, you know, it, it was that wedding was just wild. Like, the, like one of the most famous things, like, you know, the, one of the, the personalities that come off of Stern show is Ronnie, the limo driver, this, this uh manlit jew that comes off he pretends he's like italian and and uh at the wedding uh reception he's like oh let's fuck some whores and it just became a catchphrase and bubba started selling shirts and then stern had to yell at him for selling shirts oh my God. <laughs> because stern never sells anything with like catchphrases on it <laughs> so he got mad at bubba for selling those shirts <laughs> i love bubba like, that's the kind of thing I like is when somebody, like, says a catchphrase and then immediately <laughs> prints a T-shirt. Yeah. He, like, he didn't even – there was no thinking process. Like, he heard it and instantly saw the T-shirt in his mind. <laughs> Felix, what would your what would your T-shirt be if you, if you printed one? Uh, like, my catchphrase? Yeah. I think I would steal the thumbs up from Fufula. <laughs> I would go bubble. I would go bubble the love sponge. I would just be like, "Yeah, the thumbs up emoji is my thing." <laughs> I I, uh, I invented it. I I would definitely. I mean, and I've I've. We're never gonna do it, but people have definitely even asked for it. I would make the "You're sawing my dick off" T-shirt <laughs> <laughs> in a second, but I'm like, uh, in my mind. I'm like, I would never wear a shirt that says you're sawing my dick off. <laughs> like, I can't imagine a single person would, even though <laughs> multiple people have said, when are you going to make the you're sawing my dick off t-shirt? Yeah, <laughs> definitely people will wear it. I know. It's embarrassing. Though. Like, I don't want something uh. with the name of my podcast that says <laughs> you're sawing my dick off on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I would love a shirt of, you know, Modi and Trump holding hands with uh, dudes being bros underneath it. <laughs> Dave, you could sell, Dave could sell a lot of shirts. Like, I feel like Who Care would be a big one. Yeah, but but it's it's okay. Uh, I, I have enough fun online. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> Dave, Dave's not trying to monetize anything at all. Yeah, he's, no, he's really not. He's just a repulsive person who posts online. I'm I'm kidding. I don't find you repulsive, Dave. I just am afraid of you. Yeah. Um, no, no, don't worry. <laughs> my wife would. Can you imagine explaining that to my wife? It was enough explaining to her that she got a shout out on the podcast Come Town. Yeah. <laughs> what did she make of that, by the way? Uh, she was sort of honored. I mean, well, I, I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, she's she's been a part of your world, and mm. it makes sense in the Big Dave multiverse. Exactly. I love the Big Dave multiverse. It rocks. <laughs> so, uh, you were a Stern guy, and we didn't get to talk about a ton of Stern stuff, right? Like, uh, uh, we didn't get to talk about a lot of Howard Stern stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, what are some of the things you liked about the Howard Stern show? I think the main thing is just how how devoted, like, he really 
zoned into what he thought was going to make it big. And that was being totally honest on air all the time about how he felt, like how guys felt, how, you know, sort of what life is really like. And that's sort of what brought people into the fold. And then from there, all the crazy people that he's accumulated along the way, whether it's like the whack pack, the weirdos that called in or like, all the crazy employees he's made stars over the years too. So I think that realness uh, really is what made him so popular. And that's why a lot of his old fans now are kind of like distanced from him because he's become more Hollywood or whatever, but everybody grows up. And I, I think people don't understand that. Yeah. I don't think, he, it, I don't think he's that Hollywood really to be honest. Like, I, I think like, yes, He's a lot more famous now and he's a lot more respected than he was in the past. But I also think that like he's still sort of um hanging out with the same crew the whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah but, but he did kiss Ellen on the lips last week on her show. Right. I mean Yeah, yeah. I think we we covered that a little bit on on the show when it was like uh I mean, like, he's a smart guy. He doesn't overexpose himself. And, like, yeah, he, that's definitely true. He knows exactly what is going to uh, make him, he knows what's going to make him seem more important. And kissing Ellen DeGeneres was a viral video. Like, he got out yeah. there. Howard is, is very concerned now with getting viral videos you know he, he his, did the, his legacy yes yes he even did that podcast rant that that we we played on our show he he was at war with ari shafir which is an odd war for him to be in because there's no reason to be at war with ari shafir and uh he actually like he it seemed to me like he was shit talking podcasts in a cynical way thinking like if I should talk podcasts and podcasts will talk about me and then I'll go viral, you know? Yeah. But I mean, contrast that with Opie. Opie was also obsessed with viral videos. Like if you remember listening during the later XM era, he would incessantly like plug videos that he posted on TwitVid back before oh, you embed videos. That was so bad. It sucked. He had so many videos, and he's like, guys, let's get this viral. <laughs> like, yes. And then we're back to bad YouTube. Where, yeah, we'd just be like, oh, here's like, here's Bobo like being naked. Let's get this viral. Like, why would that go viral? <laughs> but Stern, like, he actually does do it. Yeah. You know, he's, he, he sometimes, he, he understands this business is very foreign to him the internet business, or should be foreign to him. He does understand it because he understands human nature. Howard's greatest gift. Yeah, and I think he... Uh, I, I think there's this... I have respect for somebody who starts a conversation and that conversation goes viral in a way. Like Stern, right? Yeah. Like, I have respect for that over somebody who just says, let's make this go viral. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he's that New York liberal elite too, right? So he's in that mindset, but he grew his career going into radio uh, at a small station and grew it to where it is. And so he feels like podcast is almost like cutting in the line. There's like no production. There's no soundboard for them to use. There, there, there's no almost like, you know, like uh, Taleb says, there's no skin in the game for, <laughs> for, for, for podcasters. You just throw it out there and if somebody likes, likes it, there's no grind to it. And so I think that's the real thing that Stern hates. And so many of his employees have 
you know, gone off and tried podcasts and, and failed. And some of the guys on the staff now, like Benji, have sort of wanted to do a podcast, but he's like stamped it down religiously because he keeps his his uh, his area of control super tight. If you go through like his legacy, he's never really sold anything but content. Like he sold a ton of DVDs. He sold uh, pay-per-view specials, CDs of bits and stuff like that. But it's always been content, never anything else. And he feels like podcasts are sort of a gray area in between that. I think if like now that we're sort of getting into Howard's legacy, I think the historical figure that he has a shocking similarity to, more than anyone, more than any of these guys have a historical equivalent. I don't really think any of them do. Howard is the Otto von Bismarck of all this. Very <laughs> yeah, conservative, so. very conservative in some ways. Like Very, very conservative, yeah. Like, obsessed with the old way of doing things, but incredibly <laughs> devious. Uh, devious in the only way a conservative like that can be, where they're devious in preserving what they see as their form, in operating in this new world for the protection of what they see as their values. Right, and something Dave said that was something that I picked up on when I was listening to the Howard Stern Fights compilations was um, a lot of the fights really were about people taking advantage of their position on the show, whether it was like Jackie getting a hotel in Miami by calling the program director of the radio station down there and asking him if he could get him a room, or if it was like uh, somebody selling a DVD or a CD that's on the staff, uh, Stuttering John. He, he seemed like he got very mad at Stuttering John when he went to Leno, which is like, who wouldn't go to Leno? You know, I've heard him make the art. I've heard Howard make the argument in the past that like jobs like Stuttering John's were not permanent jobs. They were step step ladders to the next job. And then when somebody goes to the next job, he gets pissed off at him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I think, I think the main thing, the Leno thing was that he never was consulted. It was done behind his back. But I, I do understand like his rage, you know, uh, you know, change is difficult for any of us as we get older. So podcasting is like that punk music now. So, and there's a lot of bad, bad podcasts and you, you know, you can you can hear that in like the quality and like they're not produced at all. They're just sort of run by the seat of their pants. But I don't think he really gets a chance, gives a chance to to the whole medium. Right. And I also I'll say this, like when you say podcasts are punk, like me and Brett, I mean, we all every one of these shows has the ability to make a soundboard. Right. And for me, it's a conscious decision not to have sound effects or a soundboard because I want to do something that's super stripped down. When I do a live show, you stand, there's not a table on stage and there are no stage props at all. It's just a stool with my drinks on it and microphones. And uh, when, when we do the podcast, I don't want like sound effects because it harkens back to radio. So I can see where a guy like Howard Stern would be like, these guys aren't doing radio. Radio has like, you can hear the horse clip clopping in the background. And like <laughs> when a bad caller calls in, you flush the toilet. That's the way radio fucking works. And none of these people are doing radio. Right. When Felix starts talking about video games, you uh, drown it out with music, right? 
Yes, you would. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they should. I mean, if you want to do a true shock jock show, uh, it would be like uh, you got to say boring. You know, play the uh, Homer Simpson saying yeah. boring. Yeah, Chris Wade would have like an entire. Chris could actually probably make a pretty good soundboard if they like we we gave him the task, right? <laughs> yes, it's not hard. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't. I mean, look, it's cool to have a soundboard. Like, I wouldn't make fun of somebody specifically for having a soundboard. It's just like, uh, in the same way that Howard Stern thinks selling, uh, uh, fuck the let's fuck some whores <laughs> t shirt. Uh, it, is, it goes against the grain. Yeah, it, <laughs> it goes against the grain or is tacky and makes Bubba quit it. Like, I feel that way about like soundboards and some of the stuff Howard <laughs> does. You know, like, I, I, I think a thing that, bl- that was really strange about Howard Stern's show, listening to it now, is like how many sound effects he uses and how much music he puts behind him. Like, there is almost no time in that show where there isn't like a hey now or like a uh uh, a george takai like laugh or something (laughs) Uh, but the thing is without him maybe there'd be no podcasting because before him there was no real only talk radio was either political or news or sports he was the first one that sort of talking talking about just whatever right um yeah i mean cu- cutting out the music and not playing songs you know like a certain amount of songs an hour you know he got cut so much grief for it but he he's pretty much the originator of the podcast format so you'd think he would have a bit of a better you know feel for it because you know that's what he did he broke the rules he 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 thought outside of the box he, he totally changed the things and like everybody after him you know you have a couple of guys, you have the funny guy, you have the news person, and, uh, you know, every show's done that since him. Right. I, I think, like, he should get credit because he inspired things, but I, I, I think, I really think the predecessors to podcasts in their current form were Opie and Anthony. I, I just, them, Maybe. them on Sirius and XM, uh, they inspired me. They were what made me want to do a podcast. I, I think I feel like at the time, I felt like what Howard Stern was doing was too hard and too rooted and like old school radio. And what Opie and Anthony was doing, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this is a compliment, seemed like something I could do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because I was such a Stern super fan that I always had a negative connotation of Opie and Anthony. Like I never listened to them because Stern would always shit on them and, 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 call, and call them losers. But then I listened to... Uh, Opie and um, Jim Norton's show. Okay, that's and, not a fair. And Opie was so checked out, so that also put a like you know a mental block to me ever going into enjoying Opie and Anthony because Opie was so che- checked out from that show, and it was just horrible radio. It wasn't horrible, but it was great because you know uh, Jim Norton was uh, it was great, but Opie was just just. Brutal, and yeah. the guys they had on were, were, were great too, like Rich Potts and stuff. But Opie was just such an asshole. I mean, all, almost all those shows. He's kind of a negative as a whole to the Opie and Anthony experience <laughs> through the whole time. <laughs> <of the show. laughs> yeah, 
I, I, I listened to that whole thing devolve like uh, as the show kept getting worse and worse and they kept trying to sabotage it more and more and then Jim Norton left and went off with that Sam Roberts guy and then Opie, oh, sorry, Opie did his show with Rich Voss and they would get like uh, they would get like the B-list guests at Sirius so like the the, the Don McLean guy, the American Pie uh, singer comes on and he just fucking throws the interview is just the most cringe embarrassing thing i've ever heard like he just is just talking down condescending to don mcclain so bad like which was fascinating radio but after that i think i think he lasted two weeks after that but it was hilarious like he he just was so checked out of this don mcclain interview and just was like taking shots at this this poor old guy who doesn't even know what what he got into (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, they were really good at like, I mean, uh, that's what Opie was good at. Like the cringe stuff. He was very good at that, but everything else, it, like he, uh, uh, we talked about this in our episode, but he didn't feel that it was his job to be funny. I don't, I don't believe he felt that it was his job to steer the show, but it wasn't his job to be funny. And in my opinion, like, I don't think a show needs somebody to steer it. I, I steer my yeah. show, but like, uh, and Will steers Chapo. Like it is like somebody has to take the lead on the conversations, but right. like, I don't think that you need somebody whose only job is steering the show. <laughs> that doesn't have to be funny. <laughs> no one, no one was more proud of their role in doing that either. Yeah. I think it's just like insecurity made him insist on constantly bringing this up. But like, no, like to the point that like some Opie and Anthony fans actually were like, yeah, Yo, you know, you can say what you want about Opie, but only one man can make this possible. And it's like, <laughs> I don't think that's true. Actually. I, I mean, I've said that before, like, I, I think that it's very, I think it's very important that I'm funny on my show. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the most important things. It's like at the top level thing is that my show is entertaining and funny and then well steered, I guess. So, so then I guess the one main thing of like how Stern sort of old school is like he made the callers into stars. And so like the whack pack is like, you know, there's so much good, good, good stuff, content that came out of the whack pack because when he was on terrestrial radio, it was like, that's the people that were that could listen all day. They're the people off of work, you know, on, on, on unemployment or social services or whatever. And so like, he found these amazing people like, uh, Jeff, the drunk. And, um, I think uh, my favorite high one, pitch Eric. high pitch Eric is the best of in the history. No, the best is Eric, the midget or Eric, the actor. Okay. I if don't, you <laughs> can, if you can listen to the six hour mega mix of this surly, surly little bastard, he is amazing. Like he, he is so unfortunate and unprivileged in life, but he had such hate for everyone. And he had such an inflated sense of self-worth. I've never come across anybody quite like it. It's just his, his radio was just gripping and only Howard could make that uh, possible, like make it into listenable radio and, and really funny. Like he would always give them ultimatums and things like that. It's just, he was just unreal. This little guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I was I I think high pitch Eric to me is my favorite one because he genuinely seems disgusting, you know, and and oh, like uh, you feel bad for him in the first few times he's on and his first few appearances you're like i feel bad for him like, <laughs> like kind of bullying this guy and then as it goes you're like this guy is fucking hideous you know? <laughs> like as a person <laughs> he got a couple lawsuits for threatening people and like forging checks and everything too like he's he is such a whack job man he did uh, a bomb threat to opie and anthony actually <laughs> that was, i didn't hear that one yeah but yeah he forged some checks from some weird stern super fan girl he was hanging out with and uh he almost had to go to jail for that oh you gotta be a piece of shit to rip off the fans <laughs> like you really do like have to be a horrible person to actually like to to write to forge checks from fans of you is like maybe the most evil thing in the world that I can think of. That's like the bad Lieutenant radio. (laughs) (laughs) It's monstrous. Cause they, I mean, a lot of fans will like trust you in a way that, I mean, they generally shouldn't. That's why a lot of, uh, really like actual famous people, get away with so much shit you know uh i'm not even famous at all period i'm like if i'm famous i'm like one step under carney but like people trust me in a way that people that are fans like trust me in a way that that i don't know i i I, it's it is like an interesting sort of thing and howard like uh does seem to have some contempt for his fans in a way yeah to me just in well, that in that leaked meeting when he says, you know, we talk to a male homophobic audience and uh, we like to tell them that their ideas are backwards and ugly is such like a weird thing to like be proud of, I guess. So I, my only guess is that he's not really proud of it. He thinks it's bad, you know, and he's ashamed of it. Well, it's true. Like the a lot of his audience, like that's why they they hate him so much. Like if you go on like his message boards now, they they loathe him. Like every like even all the YouTube sites, like they call him Wiggy and and this and that. And it's so weird. Like the, the utter contempt his old fans have for him because they were like they're like that you know New York guy. Um, uh, hey, w- w- I don't know. Like Trump. <laughs> like go to yeah, like Trump. <laughs> Trump. Trump was his target audience and so many of his listeners love trump like high pitch eric loves trump he loves the cops he loves the new york yankees he love he hates bill de blasio every time he calls in now he talks about how much he hates bill de blasio because he talks to the cops and the cops hate bill de blasio <laughs> that's his target audience yeah that is fucking yeah you're absolutely right i mean howard loves the cops too I mean, that is oh, a yeah. common thread with all the shock jocks is that they all love the cops. Yeah. Which, and the only one that surprises me at all is Bubba. Like, it sucks. Yeah. yeah. He seems like a guy that should hate the cops. <laughs> yeah. It's listening to Stern really uh, put put me in that mindset that you can't, you, you just got to enjoy the person. You can't always agree with everything the person says because he says some messed up things especially about like israel and how great america is and stuff like that and it just gets my teeth on edge but it's a good um exercise and trying to listen to somebody you totally disagree with 
Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I always kind of disagreed with him, but I saw him as provocative in a way that it was like, so he's provoking me. He knows what he's doing. He's pushing my buttons and not specifically my button, but people like me, you're, he's pushing people like my meets buttons, like intentionally he's going after, uh, you know, left wing, like, people you know like there's a lot of times where that's his goal but uh yeah. it does feel like he he goes after conservatives a little bit more now you know yeah def but yeah. it's that sort of weird centrist way of like going after conservatives because they hate gays or stuff he's all for like lower taxes and whatever he's he ran for governor as a libertarian exactly yeah just on the thing of like he was going to reinstate the death penalty and like fill all the potholes <laughs> yeah well no he was going to reinstate the death penalty and fill all the potholes with the ashes of yes that's people, right yeah which is like a, a hideous thing and he was starting like the only reason he dropped out of that race was because it looked like he was going to win yeah then yeah. you have to it was right before financial disclosures. Yeah, exactly. Financial disclosures. He did not want to let anybody know what he was worth. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird. I, I listened to him on Conan O'Brien's podcast, and he talked about how it really pisses him off when people talk about how rich he is. Like, that's the only thing. He said, the only thing that gets to me um, that really pisses me off out of all of the things people say about me is that I'm rich because it implies that I don't deserve it. And I'm like, it doesn't really, it, it, well, I mean, nobody deserves the amount of money you have, but it does It do, like just saying a guy's rich doesn't imply that they don't deserve it. You know? Well, it's part of that neurosis that makes them so funny, right? Like, so all those guys like uh, from New York that, from that era, Jerry Seinfeld, Larry Charles, uh, David, uh, yeah, what's the Curb Your Enthusiasm guy? Uh, uh, Larry David. Larry David, not Larry Charles, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Howard Stern, they all come from like these repressed Jewish households that were, you know, survived the Holocaust and stuff, and they have like these weird neuroses baked into them, and that's why they have like this uh, way of like trying to I don't know, just make people laugh. It, it's it's definitely a weird phenomenon of why these guys are so funny and why they're so driven even now, like after they made it. Like, why is Jerry Seinfeld still touring after he's made a billion dollars? Why is Howard Stern still doing a serious show at 65? It makes no sense, but these guys are just so driven. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially it makes no sense for Stern, who almost probably owns half of Sirius at this point. Yeah, too. Stern is a millionaire hundreds of times over. Yeah. At this point, I would say. Like, and no, I think that it is a generational thing. Like, Jewish, like Long Island. Is Seinfeld from Long Island? Probably. Yeah, I don't probably. Know, is that racist? Yeah. I don't think that's racist. Okay. <laughs> uh, but sorry, uh, Nolan. <laughs> fuck you, Nolan. <laughs> no, sorry, Nolan. Uh, but uh, it's like okay. So if you were if you were if you were a podcast if you were like a podcaster like if Scott Aukerman he got some insane deal like equivalent to uh, Howard. Oh fuck, my food's here. Be right back. Okay. Well, I, I think like uh, I think my thing is is that like uh, Howard is the the phenomenon you're talking about is like the the insanely depressing childhood where you mm -hmm. 
where you make like your only thing you know you can do is make your parents laugh you know right and then like you're constantly trying to make your parents laugh or you, you get those stories because they came through so so much uh, uh, poverty. And so I have the same thing, too. Like, my parents came uh, from, like, poor beginnings and stuff. But, like, Howard always talks about, like, his mom always said, like, everybody died in the Holocaust. And they had nothing. And this person had nothing. So when you're making it, sometimes you don't understand, like, how much you actually have. And, like, he, fe- he always says he feels like he doesn't have enough, which is weird. But, you know, I guess that's just the way it is. I mean, I do think it, I mean, just personally for me, it's like, no matter where I get, you know, I'm making more now than I was as a cable guy. And my only job is podcaster, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I get to tour the country and stuff, but I still feel like there's more that I can have. Maybe, I mean, for me, it's not like even monetary and it probably isn't monetary for Howard anymore. It's more about like, there is just more to be right. had you know <laughs> yeah like i guess he is totally reinventing his legacy now like with the with the interviews he's done over the past couple of years he's done some crazy in-depth interviews and his sort of uh format is only one of the few places where you a play, person can sit down for an hour uninterrupted it's not censored and a person can sit down there and he basically plays therapists and brings out their deepest darkest secrets sometimes like like he had billy eilish on the other week and like i i would never listen i fast forward through that because i have like zero interest in that but he gets these interesting people on and he gets them somehow to tell their deepest darkest secrets which is pretty cool and uh you know i'm glad he's still doing it but yeah, he's definitely, you know, trying to reinvent himself, and he doesn't need to. Like his legacy cemented as the greatest of all time, pretty much in the talk radio genre. But he's still going. I guess, like for I, I guess, like it makes a little bit of sense that that like uh, if you're a guy like him, you can get a little bit depressed about like uh, if if because uh, I think what bothers him the a lot is that like a lot of people see him as just a guy that brought naked ladies into the studio and like had dildos and stuff like that. And when Mm -hmm. he's talking to Conan, I got the uh, impression that like he, like he doesn't want to do that anymore. That's not what he's doing. No, like I wouldn't say he's like ashamed of his past necessarily, but he doesn't want to be defined by that one thing. Yeah, the ra- the radio nerd in him is like, no, I want to be remembered as like just a five tool entertainer. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's so generational. Like that's not yeah. even a thing we would think of now being an entertainer. But that's that's him. How old is Kern? Like he's sixty five. Yeah, yeah, he's. It's almost impossible to comprehend for us. Yeah, absolutely. I would never. I, I mean, for me, it's like. Uh, And I think it's important to him that he was a huge mainstream success, which is like, I, I, I'll say this, like, I would be very happy if my show was like a mainstream success, but I'm also very happy that it's a niche success. Yeah, I I, like, personally, I'm like, incredibly uncomfortable and like, dislike the idea of like, tons of people knowing who I am or like, identifying with me. So (laughs) I would like, never fucking want that. But 
it would it would it would be cool to just own all of the Hamptons, like Howard Stern, I guess. <laughs> Dude, I think one yeah. of the most incredible things about him that that is very underrated thing is that he owns his archive. That is pretty cool. I mean, that's incredible. Like ha- the only only thing he doesn't own is like the number uh, Channel Nine show. He, he was never able to get that because CBS hates him for for leaving. So he was never able to get the archives of. It was like uh, it came on opposite SNL and it would beat SNL in in New York. Fuck. So good. He that's so fucking cool. He is he is the man though. Like he's <laughs> for how weird he is, for how antiquated some of his thinking is. Like he's the fucking man. He's great. Yeah. I mean, he was he was such a huge success and uh, one of the best that ever did it. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for coming on this show. And, no problem. Uh, I, I'm blessed. Oh, you are blessed. I yeah, mean, truly. Yeah. Um, it's Big Dave. Malwa X. M-A-L-W-A-X. And uh, we want him to make a T-shirt, but he will never do that. Yeah, he won't. He won't. I I want us to make Who Care and like just give David the rights or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want a Who Care shirt. That should up. Let's make Who Care, and then we will uh, send Dave. All we will force Dave to take all the money from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought about doing a cameo, but I just thought that everybody would ask me to say really racist things, which, you know. You would do. I don't feel too. No, I don't feel too comfortable. <laughs> as long as it's racist to whites, it's okay. But the rest of the races, I'm I'm pretty respectful of. No, you have a truce with the rest of the races currently. Exactly. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Dave, Dave, we love you. Uh, yeah. Brett, Brett called you uh, when I said you were going to be on the show. Brett said Dave is kind of the shock jock that's been around in our circle the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> Definitely very influenced by the shock jocks. <laughs> You're great, Dave. Uh, All right. Have a great night. Thank you for doing yeah, you this. Thank you, guys. Good night. Uh, Good so we're going to sum up uh, the Shocktober this last episode. Uh, I figured me and you would take a little bit of time to just kind of talk about uh, what, you know, what the experience was like, uh, of listening to these guys and like how they, I don't know, like what, what, what we think of, of how shock, what shock jocks were or what that part of the culture was. And I guess I'll start by saying like, I said this to Dave a minute ago, but like, I think Opie and Anthony had an incredible impact on the, on like the culture, like as far as like, Especially if you look in the left podcast area, which is, you know, I'm an expert on that because I'm in it. <laughs> but uh, I think that you're one of the pioneers <laughs> and you are too, you know, so, but I mean, you start like literally we, ours wouldn't exist without yours. You guys are the pioneer. We started in 2011, but like uh, uh, the, the goal of 2011 street fight was to be Opie and Anthony without the the bad stuff you know it was like sort of like uh slice off the bad stuff slice off the repetitive nature of the show and just like try to make something that's funny and cross lines without crossing lines that hurt people who are marginalized people or or, or like right. just it's like just cutting a lot of the stuff out and pointing pointing the cannon or the gun or whatever at at like cops the military uh, 
the government and 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 like corporations like that was that was kind of the goal which was impossible for these guys to do to tell you the truth like how could you be anti-corporate when they were working for like gigantic corporate like under gigantic corporate umbrellas yeah no you can't be nbc's guy and do that yeah and it's it was important for all of these guys to have mainstream success you know right like that the the thing that all of these guys cared about the most was having like a uh uh the most broad level of success that you could possibly have and they they just in in the same way that like making like really vanilla and boring movies like like something like the marvel movies like that are just really broad and really vanilla and yeah sure i like i'll i'll watch them and it's like fine it's an action movie it's okay like that's they thought that the way instead of doing that's fine that's okay they felt that the way to get to that broad success was just to say gross things and then insist they were saying what you were thinking yeah <laughs> yeah like these are the conversation every guy has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and guy radio is like still around. I think a lot of it's sports talk now. And if we do Shocktober two, I think I'm gonna let Jim Rome get through because he's a psycho, <laughs> and I actually yeah. listen to him. <laughs> um, but you, uh, Dan Dan would be such a good guest for the sports radio thing. I uh, really know nothing, but Dan would be. He's probably yeah. He's the best. And Dave again. Yeah, Dan's great because but like I I asked him I actually asked him to do an episode or, or do something. He said I don't really know anything about shock jocks. I didn't listen. That's very surprising. Yeah. To Dan to me is a dude that should I don't know how he didn't know shock jocks, but he did explain to me actually. And we're talking Dan, Dan K GDL or Dank Gettle. Now it used to be Dank Metal to yeah. us, but he moved. And uh, I'm very happy for him. But he uh, he uh, he told me that like for a period of time there was a college radio station in town, and he kind of became a character on one of the shows, <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny to me <laughs> in a way. Like I, I I guess I'll ask you this: like, uh, did you ever call in to any of these things? Never to a shock jock show. Did you ever call into any? You called it. You said yeah, you no, internet you shows. I do a prank to internet shows when I was like, yeah, 17. Um, there was a guy whose show I would listen to before, uh, Loveline, who actually, like, I, um, he wasn't a shock jock, but he was like a, in his late 20s at the time, I believe. And he, his show was mostly about, like, pop culture. And I loved it because, like, you know, you love movies and shit when you're a kid. And it was sort of like, I don't really think it's fair to him to say geek culture, but he did talk about like comic book stuff, comic book movies a lot. Uh, however, nascent the genre was in the very early two thousands. But yeah, his name was Nick DiGiulio, and I would call. I actually called in a lot when I was a kid, like secretly, like when my parents Holy were looking. Shit. <laughs> and like they really liked me on it. He was he was fucking cool, man. Like I never. I never like figured out what he's. I like always kind of wanted to see if he's still on to like see if I could call in. He was on WGN in Chicago, but yeah, no, they, like his screeners were fucking cool. He was cool. He wasn't a shock jock at all, but I like remember thinking he was funny. Uh, but yeah, that was the only guy. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, like for me, I never called anybody. I did a guest DJ thing on CD on the local CD one hundred one. It's like a the only locally owned uh, radio station in Columbus, and it's an alternative station. And they did like a guest DJ thing every every month, and that was sort of like the, that was the first time I was ever invited backstage. You know, like one of those yeah, things where yeah. it's like everything seems impossible. Uh, like every every show business sort of entertainment job seems impossible from f- when you're not allowed backstage, when when you're not allowed to see how it works or how it's put together. And uh, being in that room made me realize like, no, this is like really what I want to do. And I got to figure out a way to do it. You know, (laughs) it took me a very long time. It took me another 10 years to figure it out, but like I actually figured it out. Um, I think the craziest thing from this show was uh, the craziest thing I learned from this show. There's a few of them, but one, uh, I think Opie and Anthony's relationship was one of the top, most interesting things. I think in the, in the entire, like putting this thing together, uh, it w- it was very shocking to me that they hadn't liked each other for 15 years when that show, before that show fell apart, <laughs> like listening to them talk to each other, it takes on a whole, like every sentence, like takes on a different tone when you know they didn't like each other when it was being done. It's completely different. And I'd say like the things that age the worst are the things where they try to be chummy with each other. That just, it rings. It just is like ashes in your mouth. Yeah. It's like, holy sh- These guys are as full of shit as anyone they made fun of for being full of shit, pretending that they're friends. Yeah. I mean, they were super, uh, Opie and Anthony was maybe one of the bigger letdowns for me because I was such an enormous fan and, and things like what we talked to Chris about with the hundred grand call and shit like that. It's like, man, a lot of the stuff I thought was good was definitely fake. You know, yeah. like they, they, they like, uh, they were just as bad. They were DJs is what they were. They, they were radio DJs mm-hmm. and that was their show. And like, uh, it becomes a lot less impressive when you phrase it like that, I guess in the same way that people are derisive about the term podcast. I'm that way about radio DJ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that was amazing and, uh, he willed his way into Shocktober too. Uh, uh, Man Cow is the worst person in the world. <laughs> he is, yeah, he's got to be absolute bottom. Yeah, like I like just as far as like ability is probably. I won't. I don't. I wouldn't go so far as to say worst person, but like. Definitely ability, talent, imagination, intelligence. Like, he's the fucking, he's the shittiest. He's He's by far, I had not, I was prepared for dog shit, and it blew me away. Yes. I did not know, I don't know, like, how this was on the radio. Right, it was that, it was, there was no imagination, uh, no creativity, and it was the laziest possible stuff you can do. But I, I think one of the things that really, that got me really was like listening to the book when, when, when you're listening to the book and you, you realize that he really does want to be a, a, a kind of intellectual, uh, like a literature guy, then it like all the pieces like fall into place where it's like, 
he doesn't do anything good. Like everything he does is bad, like in a way that is clearly identifiable if you just listen to it for two seconds. You know, all yeah. that stuff we listened to was so shitty. <laughs> It's yeah, it's so shitty that he has a distinct style of shitty. Like I could now, <laughs> I could tell a man cow bit by like the production, the like the preliminary things for the phone call before ever hearing his voice. Yes, absolutely. Like if if somebody, you could test us on this if you want to. If you transcribed a man cow call and then like wrote a fake one, I could pick out the man cow call hundred yeah. percent of the time. Yeah, it's terrible, like, because it's all, whatever you think is, like, the worst you could do on it, like, think below that. (laughs) Whatever you think the idea, whatever you think the joke is, you need to, like, take that camera out. Like, if you've zeroed in on a joke, you have to realize that the joke is, like, far more obvious and 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 less funny than it could ever possibly be. Like, if you thought that the diarrhea phone call was going to end with some, like, joke that's going to make you fall out laughing or was poignant or anything like that, uh, you would be sorely mistaken when really the diarrhea phone call, the entire joke is that it's about a butt that has diarrhea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tom Likas, uh sad sad figure to me he 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 uh you and Brett really made me feel like sad that episode made me feel sad like listening to Tom Likas was a weird thing cuz i had been listening to him for a week at straight like that was all i was listening to so i had like kind of acclimated to his world right and then having you and Brett on and playing clips and stuff and you guys pointing out how like horrible and sad it was was really like it was a a real mind-blowing thing for me because i had kind of acclimated to his sort of thing uh but um like is it someone who doesn't withstand any examination like (laughs) if you look deeply at like the thing that scares you is that you see nothing there are no positive qualities like he (laughs) He doesn't seem to actually enjoy anything that much. He's like, he doesn't have any like good qualities that you would have in a human being. And like, you could like, shockingly enough, you could even like point out more positive qualities that Anthony Kumia displayed in his run. I I agree. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. More positive qualities, maybe even in Mancap. No. Or at least feigned. Well, feigned. okay, here's the thing. About- he at least, like, like, Lycus doesn't even want the world to think that he would do anything for anyone. That's actually Man-Cow, true. Mancap is such a shithead that he, like, lies about it, but uh, Lycus is a deeply scarred individual. I agree uh, on one point, but I will say that he is, if I had to, like, grade them and stuff... He's more entertaining than Man Cow. Like he's like just more entertaining. He's like a better host than Man Cow. That's what I would say about him, you know. But everything else about him, I hate. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, but like, yeah, no, I can't argue that he's like better at radio than Man Cow because who isn't? <laughs> 
But I would rather listen to Man Cow. Okay. <laughs> I would rather listen to Lycus than Man Cow. But I do. Lycus gives me an awful feeling. He is. Awful, it's, awful, I mean, the whole awful. thing, it's so dark. It's like such a yeah. dark show, you know? Um, and uh, Bubba the Love Sponge, uh, all I can say is that, like, he came out on, like, way, he came out to be better than any that I could have ever imagined for me, at least like he's a sleazy guy, but I like sleazy guys, you know? So, uh, I don't know. Like I, I found him to be likable and I'm, I'll probably sort of keep up with his show even after this thing is over. That's it. No. Yeah. You have a new thing to listen to. So there's just silver linings abound in this. <laughs> yeah. I would say, yeah. I would say like my takeaway from these guys, like, I think going into this, I would have, like, without even thinking it, I would have said something like, oh, Howard Stern was, like, the big, big influence on me. And he, I guess he was, like, a big influence in, like, the course that my life took and, like, you know, what I figuring out what I wanted to do. But that isn't true. I don't think you can compare, like, anything I do to, like, how Howard Stern does it. Because as we alluded to, we have completely different values as members of the media. His are very antiquated and completely unrelatable to me. Yeah. However, I think Opie and Anthony, I'm going to agree, they had the biggest, like, actual content-wise influence on me. Like, those can be, like, uh, uh, Dave alluded to it, but, like, the the shows with, like, Rich Voss and Colin Quinn, those completely broke broke the barrier in my mind of how funny stuff could be. Right. Like I those are those actually do hold up. I go back and listen to those. Those are fucking hilarious. I was and, just listening to I, I was listening to uh something the other day with all those guys, like just fucking beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, it like I used to like so I've like like uh, the my family is very like I would say like irony fluent. To the point where it would like could be intimidating, like as a kid, because I was so much younger and my brother and sister, and but I really thought like because he's just like out in the world, you you don't meet a lot of people, and you especially don't meet a lot of like people who do this as families, like adopt sort of like an ironic posture of like making fun of people. And I just thought like there was no one in the world who could be like as like brutal as my family when they would like make fun of people, and then I heard that. Like, it took me until the time I was, like, 15 to, like, hear that. Because I had, like, I'd obviously, like, been on the internet and shit, but I was still, like, I don't know. I don't know how well this would hold up in the real world. This is all very ephemeral bullshit. This was the internet in, like, 2002. It didn't feel quite as real. But to hear that in practice, it was, like, holy shit, there's an entire world out there where people are just, they just breathe this. And they can just deploy it at any moment. And there's, it was, I almost looked at it like sports, like how quick they were. It was mind boggling to me. And it was, I guess something like I still, still like try to do just like the fucking speed and, uh, creativity that they would deploy and shitting on each other. That had the like single biggest like content influence on me out of any of these guys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, and a lot of it was, uh, a, lo- a lot of it was just, uh, natural conversation for the first time ever. Like I heard it yeah. wasn't natural. Obviously it's like heightened conversation, but right. it was like a type of conversation that I knew that I could have. Whereas Howard Stern was not 
the type of conversation I knew I could have. Right, you know? right. Because every move by him was deliberate. It just gave me anxiety to think of how I could think like Howard. Like, I couldn't. But it was definitely, like, you could see a world where you could be, like, not as funny as Bill Burr, but, like, funny in the way that he is in that conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think I could be as funny as, uh, like, they have legendary comics on that show. And yeah, Anthony is a yeah. legendary comedy, mo- like, I, one of the great comedy minds of our lives, even though he's a piece of garbage. But yeah, just, yeah. Like, he's very funny. And, it's uh, undeniable. Yeah, it's undeniable. You listen to enough of it, and you just be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, he's really funny," and and you know, whatever. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But no, yeah. They. I don't think. I'm not gonna say I don't think like Chapo would exist. I think that's like maybe going a little far. But I don't think. I don't think my contributions to it, however much, how, however much people do or don't like them would be nearly the same if I had never like listened to them. Yeah. Absolutely same thing. Not. The same way. I don't think street fight would be street fight. Had I not spent so much time listening to Opie and Anthony. Like I, I, I don't think we would be doing the same, uh, the same kind of conversations. I think that I probably would have done a lot more radio type stuff. Had I not heard them and, and you know, they, they, they were uh, very good at pointing out how shitty and dumb radio is. And like, that was huge. Yeah, it was important to me because it was like that was finally kind of them saying things about like uh, uh, contests being rigged and, and stuff like that was like super important to me because it was the first time. It was the same thing I said about Howard Stern in his episode. It's like hearing guys just be honest about things was like a revolutionary act back then in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it was, yeah. And I I think back and I'm probably going to, I sort of cringe at these articles now and I'm probably going to cringe a lot more at them as I grow older. But you remember all the pot, like the profiles of Chapo in like 2016 that were like, the podcasters who aren't afraid to say fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like dumbass photos of us. Right. Oh man. There were so many of those and I don't know why, but like, um, that, like that, I don't know if we have that ethos fully without them. Yeah, probably not. For sure. Cause I, that was like, I, I think like even for us, it was kind of like, yeah, I want to say fuck you to, I want to tell people that they suck. You know what I mean? And and Man, like still, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I feel like I was talking with like I was talking with um like Wardell, Brandon Wardell, like a month or two ago about like because I guess me and him, like we we both had like a big twenty sixteen and we were sort of talking about it and the word we used to like describe ourselves at the time was like crackhead. <laughs> like, <laughs> not like literal crackhead, but like you're just posting like 50 fucking times a day. You do every piece of media that someone asks you to do. You're just fucking, you're moving all the time. You are putting in actually like a shitload of hours. Just yeah. you're, you're insane. You're manic. You just want this so fucking bad. And I like, there's a lot of shit from like, Th- that's like just being that eager that makes me cringe and everything else. And I, I am definitely like my posture is definitely like not as aggressive in that time. I don't see how it could be like my life's been pretty fucking comfortable since I think it would be dishonest if I was like, 
completely as pissed off all the time as I was back then. Yeah. But but I do think that like I, I still I try to retain that a bit. Like actually the value of being mean. Like the value of actually tearing things apart and like completely not buying into the work. I hope that's important to me forever. I do too. I, like, as long as I do this, because I don't think Opie and Anthony necessarily like knew that was like a, a good value in media, like almost a moral value when they did it, but it, it was important to me nonetheless. Yeah. Like getting rid of the politeness yeah, uh, of uh, Stern and Opie and Anthony both were like instrumental in like realizing to me that like you can be funny or you can be polite, but you can't, you can't like especially for yeah. me like maybe my personality. I guess there's like there are like polite sort of comedians, but for me like with my personality, it was kind of like no, like I'm not like a polite guy. I'm kind of a rude guy and I'm not like very, I'm not, I'm not a super nice person at that time. I, I think I'm, I've made strides in being a nice person in the past yeah. like five years, but like, um, but like part of that is that I have an outlet, I think. And I have targets and I have people that I can be mean to, and I am mean to them. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like I honestly don't know what I'm going to do with myself if everything instantly gets better. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like, no, I mean, like that—that that is, I hate to use this word, but that—that that posture is important because I feel like Opie and Anthony are, well, Anthony and Jim Norton and all the comedians specifically stand out to me because they do seem like people who never really fucking gelled with anything. I have a rough time picturing them doing anything else. I think they do too. I think they had like a lot of them had a great deal of trouble, like getting along with people or like figure out what they're supposed to do in the world. And even though I came from like, you know, way more fucking privileged backgrounds, probably any of them, most of them, I, you know, I felt that way forever. And it was like, well, there's something you can do. Yeah. And you can, you can refine it so that you're not like, so it may have some like some small value to the world, or at least it's not like kicking too many people who are already down, but not like, I th- I feel like we have a very specific way. We're supposed to like process anger in this culture. We touched on it. Like when we're talking about nine 11, but and I think like, that's probably why there was so much faint feigned, like, Oh my God, I'm going to enlist and fucking kill somebody type anger on nine 11 is because like, we genuinely we think it's like filthy. We can't touch it unless it's like it has to be for a really good cause. So people spend just hours fantasizing about some scumbag hurting my daughter. Yeah. So they can access that because they're not allowed. You're not allowed to like be angry uh, that you're just you're completely beaten down and that your life will be ruined financially if you go to a fucking hospital or that you 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 you're completely subservient to your employer it's too painful to think about these things and it's also you're not supposed to be angry about those things it's you're a crackpot or you're a fucking freak if you like say that you're mad about this right but, i mean but they they were like they these guys were like they would hear bad radio and get pissed and created like a funny product out of it and it's like Fuck, you actually can do something with that. I mean, that 912 audio is some of the most psycho shit. Like being psychotic. Mad at Rochester 
the day, like get yelling at Rochester like that was, I would say, uncalled for, really. But <laughs> I would agree. He was kind of mad. Um, Felix, this has been really fun, and it's been really fucking rock. I, I just love it, and uh, we will definitely do it again. Uh, Absolutely. I promise that there will be a Shocktober too, and I promise we will do Howard Stern too, Opie and Anthony too, and Man Cow too. But who knows who the other guys will be? You know, maybe we just bring Bubba back and then pick a new guy. But like, I like, I think people are going to start yelling at us to stop pulling man cow clips, but I can't. I've never, like, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> like, I could get so much mileage out of 10 minutes of man cow. <laughs> I'm going to start hear. fucking playing his clips on Chapo. I don't care. You should. I mean, hey, look, <laughs> a lot of people were like, uh, making fun of, uh, man cow the week of that, that show came out. And I yeah. still get, uh, uh, I still get a mention every now and then. It's like, hello, this is pharmacist. <laughs> <laughs> my sister, like, I th- like, yeah, my sister, like, spent like two days talking to me about man cow. <laughs> yeah, people are just he's so bad. People are just so fucking fascinated with how much he sucks that it's, yeah. it's like really cool to see people rally around something. It, it's one of the la- it's one of the few common causes we all have. <laughs> yeah, man cow stinks. All right, <laughs> terrible. Well, we'll see you the next time, and uh, we're going to try and make something live happen. So uh, we'll see you then, too. Uh, Good good night and good luck, as the original shock jock said. Edward Armour, the first shock jock. (laughs)